Hello, listeners. Nice little calm intro song for you guys today. This is Unwritten by Natasha Bedenfield. I'm gonna let the hook drop, then we'll get into it. Oh yeah. I'm gonna let the hook drop. I feel better already. Oh my gosh, that was such a good way to start the podcast. <laughs> I love it. I'm love glad it. you love it. I'm glad you love it. <laughs> Welcome to episode 133 of the Blake Mayfield podcast. I'm your host, Blake Mayfield, and I'm here today with a very special guest. She is a reporter for the North States News on KRCR News Channel 7 and Fox 20, and one of the nicest people I've personally met in the industry so far, <laughs> just to be honest with you. I have Miss Mason Carroll with me today. Mason, how are you? I'm doing well, Blake. Thank you for the very special introduction. Yeah. Very happy to be here. Yeah, um, yeah I'm happy and, you're here. And again, that was an amazing way to start a podcast. <laughs> good vibe. I wish the people could see us. We're just, I'm just bobbing my head like, oh, such a good song. Same yeah, here. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for coming. Uh, I'm so, Again, so happy to be here. Um, I love sitting down and just talking. Uh, I feel like I do that for a job, just talking. So it's great to be here. I figured it'd be up your, up your alley for <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, yeah, so. absolutely. I could talk for days. Yeah. <laughs> I want to give a special shout-out and thank you real quick to all of the Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud listeners. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. And I'm doing things a little different today. So this is the first podcast I've done ever where I have pre-recorded ads. So we're not going to do them live. They are pre-recorded. I'm going to let these two go. I want to real quick give a special shout-out and thank you. I've not announced this yet, but I wanted to save it for the podcast. To Jersey Mike's and especially uh, Danny Spencer, who is the GM over at Jersey Mike's in Reading, over at 835 Browning Street in the uh, Trader Joe's and Dick Sporting Goods um, shopping center over there. He was very nice and, and has an exclusive deal with us now to basically help out the participants for the Special Olympics uh, here from Reading. People, the kids that go and even adults that volunteer their time and stuff like that. He was really nice and um, gave us an ad. So brand new ad, brand new sponsorship. I'm very excited about it. And of course, as always, thank you to Black Rose. And here are those ads. Are you starting a brand new diet and want something organic and delicious? Want to support a locally owned and operated family business? Have you ever tried peanut butter in your coffee? Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should try out Black Rose Coffee and Tea. At Black Rose Coffee and Tea, you'll find all sorts of pairings you won't find anywhere else, such as the white chocolate and peanut butter blend called the Ecstasy, organic on-tap kombucha, and the chance to make your furry best friend Instagram famous through their at dogs of Black Rose page. Visit Black Rose Coffee and Tea at 9539 Old Oregon Trail in Redding, California, open seven days a week. Bring the kids, dogs, or whoever you'll near and dear to you and rethink the way you coffee today. At Jersey Mike's all March long, they are taking donations to help support the Reading Special Olympics and their participants, and they need your help. Wednesday, March 30th is their annual day of giving, where 100% of the profits that day are donated to a charity in need. 
Whether you're ordering some lunch, getting dinner through an online delivery app, or simply want to drop off a cash donation, Jersey Mike's has taken donations all March long. They are located at 835 Browning Street, right next to Trader Joe's. Don't forget to come get your favorite deli sandwich on March 30th to support your local community. And without further ado, let's get into it. So, great time to do this podcast <laughs> with you because you just put out a what we call in the industry a package, which is basically a pre-recorded thing where reporters go somewhere and let's say it's fire season and you're covering mm-hmm. the car fire from four years ago, okay? You went out and shot footage for the last couple of days or whatever. You put it all together and it's not basically anything that's live and it's not something that's, it's present, but it's not something from like earlier that day. Yeah. Because um, videos and packages are different. But you shot this package called City of Cannabis. Yes. Um, <laughs> you went up to Mount Shasta, you said, and spent like two weeks, not up there totally, but over the course of two weeks it took you to make this package. Yeah. I wanted to ask you why you wanted to do that story. I figured this would be a great starting spot for us and why you were passionate about this in particular. Absolutely. Okay, so I guess I'll start from the beginning about what got me started into this. So like uh, we were talking about earlier, in the industry, we have these periods about four times a year called sweeps and or ratings or whatever. You know, different people have different names for it. And it's basically a ratings period where you want to put out the best content, your best work, your best face forward, basically, because you're going to be ranked in your uh, different market size about who has the most viewers, you know, who gets the most eyeballs and kind of its ratings and who is ranked highest in your uh, viewer range. So it's, that's a sweeps piece. So it's a little longer, like you said, than our usual minute 30. So about a couple weeks before sweeps was starting, I go up to Ashley. Ashley's kind of like our assignment digital kind of helps come up with story ideas. And like Ashley, I am very passionate on the environment, so I wanted to do something. Now that I've kind of been settled here, I've been working at the point for over six months um, at KRCR. And first sweeps, you know, was in my first sweeps was in October, which was kind of a mess uh, at the newsroom. And so um, this was my first real, real sweeps. And I was like, hey, I want to do something big. I want to do something on the environment. Um, We talk about drought, wildfires is always my go-to. You know, anything. And Ashley did have the idea. She's like why don't you check out um, all the illegal grows going on in the North State? And I've been to a couple of um, uh, county meetings where people come and show these images of illegal grows about how they just, these greenhouses, massive, massive parcels of greenhouses showing over the past, uh, like, five years, going from just beautiful land to land now that is covered in greenhouses, just taking up acres and acres and miles and miles of this beautiful land up in the North State. So I was like, all right, all right, all right, I'll look into that. And I thought the best way, as a journalist, I think the nice thing that we have is we get to show the viewers things that they can't see for themselves. And so I thought the best way to tell the story isn't going to just be an, to do an interview. I have to get that access to go up and go talk to a sheriff, you know, whether it's something that they've already eradicated or something. I just need this access into here. And thankfully, um, I've, I've talked to the Siskiyou County Sheriff, um, Jeremiah LaRue, a couple times for other stories. He's very media-friendly, which is really nice in the industry because sometimes we deal with people who aren't... Uh, anti-news. Anti- they're very anti-news yes. or very like, um, you can't get access to this. And it's like, I'm not trying to... I just want to show the public. That's what giving a voice to the voiceless, giving the public a view into something they might not know about bringing light to an issue, my whole journalism spiel. Yeah. And so I got this... I basically got in contact with him. After going back and forth um, in a good way and just, you know, setting this up, um, supposed to go down one week, and he's like, hey, our investigators are still doing some other work. Um, give us another week. It's going to be big. You can come up and um, basically tag along with us as we're going on this illegal grow. I'm like, okay, great. And thankfully, we have an amazing chief photographer, Adam McAllister, who came up there with me, and he's been in the business for 
20 years, knows his stuff. And so that's another nice thing about the sweeps packages is sometimes Adam will come with us. And, you know, I think I shoot well. I like shooting on the cameras we have, but nothing compared to how Adam does it. And so we went up there, meet the sheriff. He's like, all right, we're going to go drive a couple, a couple miles south of Wairika and visit this grow. And from being from Texas where – you know, <laughs> right. this is very, very new for me. Yes. And I'm very open-minded. I'm very, you know, I just, you know, I'm just like, all right, you know, like this is cool, cool experience. You know, let's see what this it does. And so we go out there and we're driving behind him and there's all these cars kind of leaving the area because it's like a rural road out in, and it's so crazy that you see just beautiful Mount Shasta in the distance. And then you kind of start to see all these kind of greenhouses on the side of the road as you're going and you see normal houses as you're going off on this dirt road, but then you continuously see kind of more and more kind of hidden in the brush greenhouses. And we're seeing all these cars driving out of there. And the sheriff texts me while we're driving. He goes, a lot of times once we bring a search warrant to an illegal grow, you see a lot of people leaving the area. And so that was also very interesting, seeing all these cars leaving this area, this very secluded area. And I'm like, before all right. Before they get in trouble. Yeah, before they get in trouble. Yeah. And so we go out there, and it's just like greenhouse, 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 greenhouse. And basically – there's what the grow is called as a parcel. And on this one parcel, there was 107 greenhouses with basically freshly new planted um, marijuana plants. And we get out there, and he's showing us at these two greenhouses, and then they bring this bulldozer out. And the sheriff's uh, team is just bulldozing all these plants, and it's just crazy, crazy to see. Again, being from this is not something that I grew up around. This is not normal to at me all. at yeah. all. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? Yeah. And so, and the main issue with this is in kind of what the sheriff said, and this is, you know, like how I feel too, is he's like, I don't have an issue with the plant at all. There's no, you know, he's like, take whatever your, whatever anyone's opinion about the plant is at all. The issue is with these doing it illegally is it is destroying the environment. There's, you know, people are stealing water, leaving trash, they're using chemicals that are going into the ground that are going to be there for 10, 15 even 50 years after, you know, these greenhouses and if these illegal grows are gone, there, there's still going to be chemicals. There's trash everywhere. There's this crazy shot in the package where there's Adam Films, this uh, electrical circuit, and to ge- this kind of generator thing on the side of this trailer that was, you know, for people who were living there and taking care of the plants. And you tilt down, and there's five tanks of gasoline. And it's just so much trash everywhere. And, again, it's just like, talking about the issue of this, what's doing to this beautiful land? Because, again, it's this juxtaposition of all the this trash and all of this just, just, just beautiful landscape. And then you have trash and, you know, dirt and just these big old cans of chemicals that they're like, we don't even know what's in, in these. We're going to have to bring in uh, toxic experts to test what's in these before we can remove them. This is going into the ground. And then you have beautiful Mount Shasta in the background. And so it's just something that um, – is greatly impacting the environment up there. And they're like, this is a real issue. We need help from Sacramento. And so just kind of want to bring light to that because this is just so much more than the plant. You know, it's about the environmental impact this is going to have on the, why, like the, the area, the county, the environment, all of California. And I'm working on a second piece now for it, actually. I went down to Sacramento on my own time talked with former U.S. attorney McGregor Scott, who has worked specifically about getting people, um, because here's the crazy part, is for someone who is growing for, with it's Prop 64, 
that was signed uh, 2018, 2018. 2018. 2018. Yeah, that, that's when Newsom got in. Yes, yeah. Or got elected. Yes, yeah. he got in. Right. So, yeah, he uh, got in two months later, but he got yeah. elected. Yeah. <laughs> and so he is Prop 64 basically allows you know people to grow marijuana recreationally. So someone who's growing seven plants, which is one more over the legal limit, gets about a $500 fine. Someone who's growing 1,000 plants gets the same fine. And so that's mm. the that's one of the main issues too is in that I talked with the sheriff and McGregor Scott on is you have to get people for the environmental crimes and that is you know the real issue in my in you know my opinion again taking whatever your opinion on the plant you know I know people who smoke Usage, I know people who don't right. you know what you know whatever um, that's not. You know, what you do, you know, with none, none that of wasn't really the yeah, point. That wasn't the really the point. It's, the, all, it's yeah. the, you know, the impact that this has also on the community. This is a whole other side I didn't get into on the package because there's so much. But the crime, you know, they're like, you know, they he was telling me a story that they've had people bloodied walk into the gas station in town. They've come from illegal groves that brings crime into the community. Again, just trashes the area. And because laws aren't strict enough, what the goal of Prop 64 was, was to basically kind of bring bring that revenue and bring more people into the legal market. And But there's so many taxes and regulations on the legal market that's pushing more and more growers into the black market. And so it's just a crazy, crazy topic. And I'm trying to, like I said, work on the second part um, on that right now. And then the third part, I'm trying to get in touch with uh, like Megan Dolly's office. And uh, I've been talking to... Uh, What's his name? A couple other uh, state senators about just, you know, what they can do. And so hopefully putting out part two and three very soon. But then also, too, this this week at work has been crazy with all the breaking news. And right. so that's, that's the thing, too, is it was a crazy, it was a news, crazy week. news Local week. and in the world. Local and in the world. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, that I think a lot of people don't realize is we're turning two packages a day. And on top of that, especially the past couple weeks for me is on top of doing my two stories a day, I'm also thinking about doing my sweeps package, writing a script, think about video, going back and forth with Adam and our other team about writing and what we want in it, and then also playing part two and part three. And so that's the funny thing about being a journalist is, um, if you can't tell by me talking already, I'm very scattered, very kind of talkative. But in that sense, it kind of helps me bounce from thing to thing, keep track of everything that's going on, because you have to kind of... Controlled chaos. Yeah, controlled chaos. Exactly. That's how I function. Controlled chaos 1,000%. And so, yeah. yeah. But it was so cool to see the project air. I was sitting there watching, and I was really, really nervous, had a lot of anxiety about airing. I knew it was going to be great. You know, at, like, again, <laughs> I, I mean, Adam. No, Adam, that's like, great. Like, Adam, like again, that. Adam did a great job, like, listening to the music and the shots at the end. You know, it was, we, we watched it. I, I probably watched it, like, 30 times before it aired. Um, and it was amazing. But I was just so nervous. You know, when you... Work on something that you feel very passionate about and then bring that out to the public, especially some public here that is not always so media friendly and can be very quick to criticism. Um, I was very nervous watching it. But then once it aired, I was like, all right, breath of fresh air. I yeah. can breathe for a second. Yeah. And I got to write my webs for the two other stories I did today. <laughs> but yeah, it for was sure. a great thing to work on and very proud of it. You know, I think there's I can be very hard on myself sometimes. And it was definitely one of those projects where I'm like, you know, I'm very proud of you, Mason, for doing this, grinding, and getting this done. So, yeah, it was, it was great to work on. Had, first off, Nazi on back in February, yep. uh, the new anchor for Daybreak, ah. and she's assistant director and stuff. And then uh, Sam Kamenti came yep. on a few weeks ago. Yeah. And 
the big thing with them is that it is like sink or swim. And yeah. the way you make it sound is that it's very sink or swim. Like you're writing oh, your own yeah. scripts. You're editing your own thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're supposed to use Avid and Premiere. Some yeah. people to use like iMovie and stuff, <laughs> mm-hmm. which whatever, you yeah. know, it's probably easier, but we'll I let that opinions, be. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let that be. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of work went into it. My favorite thing, honestly, besides just what you're covering, I thought the music element oh, yeah. was really good. Mm-hmm. And we use this thing called... Uh, Warren Chapel music. It's this thing where it, it's free music. We use them for like our primary music, serious music for our tosses. You know, when we're cutting a commercial on the show. Is that where you got the music from? Because there was one song that it was the last one you used in the package yeah. that I was like, what is this song? What is this? Is this from like an 80s? <laughs> like, I'm like, what's going on here? Again, I got to give all that credit to Adam, you know, uh, again, our photographer, because he, and this is the stuff that. I was very thankful I could be able to have such an amazing team to work on this with because this is something that in our market, we oftentimes don't get a chance to work on things like this. And so to be able to have a photographer and an editor put it together who knows what they're doing, you know, like I said, my script, I was kind of giving Adam ideas and stuff that that I wanted. But again, I got to give him so much credit for putting the the just dramatic, you know, music behind it and the, the mood and setting a tone and kind of really getting an emphasis on the message I want to send across. I think you can do that very well with music. And honestly, this is exactly the kind of projects I want to work on in the future. Again, it's very hard to work on long-form stuff like that all the time in the market that we are in. But eventually in the future, I would love to be a kind of mini-documentary, you know, more long-form investigative journalism is the end goal. And especially being able to do something that's impactful that's hopefully bringing a light to something shining a light on something and especially that has an environmental impact chef's kiss was definitely i was like all right this is great and then seeing the dramatic and how well adam uh edited it it was just fantastic yeah and, yeah and it was just great and yeah definitely the sink or swim is 1000 percent that's true. a real thing 1000 percent true it's a real thing oh yeah absolutely it's funny when you were saying that um when I first started, I started in June. I started on June 7th, the day before my birthday, and, again, moved across the country, trained for a week and a half, started reporting right after. Um, and I think I was reporting for not even a full week, and salt fire broke out and was the first reporter on scene for that. Again, also coming from Texas, we don't have fires like this. Right. And so, or weed. Yeah, or weed. We don't yeah. have fires or weed. We do have tornadoes and tumbleweeds, though. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, yeah, and so doing that, and then – Fire season broke out this uh, summer, and I basically became the fire reporter. And I was on the Monument Fire for a month, and then on the Dixie Fire for like two weeks. And I remember talking to my boss kind of after things have calmed down a little, and she's just like, "Hey, you know, haven't talked to you in a while. Just want to let you know that you're doing a good job." And it's literally like trial by fire is what you experienced. And honestly, I wouldn't have had it either any other way to just sit and train and you know slowly get into it. You know, no, it is very sink or swim, but I think that's needed in, in this industry in a sense. You know, I think we need mentors, and I think we it's nice to have that support from, you know, bosses and people who are ahead of you. You need that support. But in a sense, at least with all the journalists I know, we're very, like, get us out there. I hate to sit on the desk. I would hate to be mm. inside all day. And so it's right. a weird balance of, like, this is – excuse my language, fucking insane, that we're going out and doing all this stuff all you the You can time. curse. You're, you're good, know, by the I way. Know. Yeah, I'm just like... I, I know you're a public figure, and <laughs> it, it's kind of touchy, but, oh, like, yeah. trust me, Sam, Nazi. Oh, I heard. Oh, I listened to Sam. <laughs> <laughs> you can curse on oh, here. You're okay, all good. Okay. You're yeah. all good. Yeah, I, yeah. and, that, and that's, a, that's a whole other thing, too, is, yeah, I curse like a sailor outside of work. And, really? Oh, yeah. I, huh. and, you know, I went, you went, 
I would picture, not yeah. guess that. It's funny. No. I think I get it from my mom. My mom is a very Southern lady and very Southern proper, um, like, bless your heart kind of lady and very <laughs> has her shit together in the forefront and in her own personal life. But then also, too, she's like, this motherfucker treated my children wrong. I'm going to, you know. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, totally. The like whole that. nine yards. The whole nine yards. That's so I sick. definitely get it from my mom. That's dope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that. So yeah. you moved here from Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. Before we get into, uh, I'm going to work backwards with yeah. you. Before we get into why you wanted to become a reporter, yeah. were you doing stuff out there in Texas news-wise? Like, were you a PA? Did you just, like, kind yeah. of hop into the game? Like, did you go to school? Like, yeah. how did all that work? And what's it like being from Texas and coming to a place <laughs> like Redding, California? It had yeah. to be a culture shock. Oh, so here's the funny thing is it was weirdly not as much a culture shock. Like, so I'll talk a little bit about Lubbock first and then work my way up through journalism. And so being from Lubbock is very, very similar to the Valley because Lubbock is West Texas. We're on the Caprock uh, Plateau, so it's very flat. We're a big <clears throat> agricultural industry, so we grow a ton of cotton hay. And so it's very much similar to the Valley. Um, Lubbock is – we also have a college there. And so it's kind of, it's very similar to Chico in a sense, but a little bigger um, but still that small town kind of vibe. Um, I'm definitely a city person. But so it was funny moving up here and being in this community. Um, it was weirdly smaller than where I came from, but was very similar with that kind of hometown. Everyone kind of looks out for each other. Everyone knows everyone. You got to be careful what you oh do. My oh, my gosh. Yeah, you have to be uh. careful what you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, uh. that's, I'll remind me to bring that up. I got a whole other story that I'll go on a tangent on. But, gotcha. um, yeah, and it was um, – very similar in a sense, which made it easier to transition. It was very, very far from home, but I have a good support system back home, and now I've grown one here. And so the first, again, during fire season was when I got here. It was very kind of rough and at first kind of settling in, um, but I'd moved around a lot. Uh, before I – so grew up in Lubbock, went to Austin for college at the University of Texas, Hook'em Horns, and awesome. that, was, that was great. And okay. uh, and then right before, though, I moved out here, my last semester um, I spent in New York. I was living in New York for my last semester and interning for CBS Nightly News. And so that was wow. just – Yeah, it was, it was such a cool, – That's a big deal. Yeah. And That's it, a huge deal. Yeah, and so it was great. I got to work, like, with, with like, Nora, Nora O'Donnell's team and with the research team and would watch – would be with their research team, so I'd fact check, look up stuff as the show, if there was breaking news, make call like calls around, um, check scripts and stuff like that, and that was just such a cool experience. And then so I did that, and that was a life-changing experience. Met, like, friends that are going to be in my wedding in, like, 10 years. Like, just met the most amazing people, and it was very life-changing for me. I know that sounds very ironic, but it was very much like finding myself That's period. A big deal. Yeah, it was yeah. like it was great. It was, you know, finding myself. I was just it was very much a proud to be Mason time and kind of a turn on that and I was very happy for that. And then so I went from New York to back to Texas and then after my internship ended, they wanted me to freelance for them. And so I was like, "Okay, but I have this job I'm starting in June. I'll freelance for you for Three and a half weeks, literally the last day uh, of the in, of the freelancing gig with the internship, I was driving to California, and so I go, so I move back home. I'm home for a week, go back to Austin for a couple days, graduate college. I'm home for another week and a half, packing up all my stuff, working for CBS, you know, eight hours a day just on my computer in my uh, parents' kitchen. And then we pack up a U-Haul with me, my mom, and my cat, and drive out to California. And that was a 
three night trip and just me and my mom because my I have a 16 year old brother and so my dad was staying back with him because he had he's very big in the sports so I think he had oh like football spring uh like summer football getting started and so is me and my mom pulling the U-Haul just you know wow. yeah all by herself trooping, trooping all yeah. the way through I never driven a U-Haul and it was crazy me my mom and my cat just going all the way up and then landed in Reading on a Saturday, and then we had Sunday to kind of explore, so with the U-Haul strapped to the back because I couldn't move into my apartment for a couple more days, and then started work on Monday, and then here I am. Wow. Yeah. That's a Been big transition. Been an eventful past year. That was only last year? <laughs> yeah, this that? was in, uh, yeah, June. Okay. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. So it's it's been crazy, but a good, I need a little crazy in my life. So yeah, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. What made you want to become a reporter? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's- Because it's a very, people don't realize, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but like it's a very that. specific thing. Like, oh yeah. Not everyone that gets into news or gets into movies. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like being behind the camera, whether yeah. it's directing, producing, doing, you know, using Avid or these editing softwares yeah. to special effects. But you know- a lot of people don't like being in front of the camera. You yeah. know, you got to be a certain type of someone <laughs> to be in front of it. Yeah. Why did you want to be a reporter and be in front of the camera? Yeah. Okay. So I started off in print journalism in high school. Um, I joined a journalism a photography class my freshman year of high school, and then I joined newspaper. And I was in, became like editor in chief of my newspaper my like junior year. And going from junior year to senior year, so there was this program. Where actually, you know, Scott Pelley, who uh, was uh, CBS Evening News before Nora, he actually graduated from my high school. So oh, in wow. Lubbock, Texas, yeah, crazy. So That's crazy. yeah, so he had this scholarship that would go around to all the different districts um, in Lubbock once a year. One school got a chance to take a trip to New York and study at Columbia for a week, um, visit CBS, have dinner with Scott Pelley. And since I got into journalism. Like, newspaper, I was like, I want this trip, I want this trip, I don't know if I'm going to get it, if it's going to come around back to Coronado, my high school. And um, <clears throat> in that same year, that my junior year, I was looking into getting into this program called uh, LISD TV, Lubbock Independent School District. Um, and it was basically, I'm so thankful for this program, because they had this giant studio that's probably bigger than KRCR studio, and it was like a learning center where people could come in and learn production, learn how to edit, learn how to basically run a news show. And um, <clears throat> they, it wasn't our turn. Basically, I found out it wasn't Coronado's turn. And I was just so upset about it and just like, you know, just kind of going on with my life. This was um, April, May of my junior year, you know, getting ready for summer. And then one day my newspaper teacher texts me and he's like, hey, we come into the room uh, after you're done with your last period. I'm like, yeah. And so I come in and he tells me, he's like, hey, so I just heard from Mr. Dixon, the uh LICTV teacher, and they got, they're the ones who are actually getting the scholarship this year, and they need one more person to fill it, and they called me, and they asked who I would suggest, and I said you, and so you're getting to go to New York, and that was That's just, crazy. I cried, I cried, I'm sure. and I, um, so got this amazing opportunity, and still at this point, I'm like print journalism, you know, like I'll try out uh, LICTV, but my mom was a journalism major too, and so uh, was very, I don't know, like print is the way I love writing, yada, yada, yada. And then I went to New York, and I studied at Columbia, and I toured CBS Evening News, and I was 17, had just turned 17, and was getting to do this amazing experience, and I saw how TV news worked, and I was like, I want to do this. And then after this experience, we went to this really fancy French restaurant with uh, Scott Pelley, and it was 
me, my two teachers, and one other student from Lubbock, and then one a couple other students from Oklahoma where his wife went to high school. So there was about eight of us going to dinner with uh, Jane and uh, Scott Pelly, and they were going to meet us there. And we were going to be sitting in this all this round circle, uh, this round table, and I was like, all right, I'm going to be the last to sit down, so I'm going to be on one of the ends. So I'm either going to sit by his wife or Scott himself. And I was like, in either way, it'll work. And Scott Pelly comes in and sits down right next to me. And I just get nice. to talk to him for three hours straight. And I That's just, smart. <laughs> it was, I was like, I got to make this Good strategic. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I pull out, and I had a reporter's pad in my um, <laughs> purse. And so he just starts talking to me. And he's like, oh, yeah, do you have a pen or something? You know, write this. I have a good book for you. And I just take out my reporter pad and start writing notes. And for the rest of the dinner, I'm just talking to him, writing notes. We're barely eating because I'm just talking to him, asking questions. He tells me amazing stories about working, you know, like working on 9-11, what that was like. And, you know, just working, you know, going, you know, all these different experiences, working for 60 minutes. And I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. And then that same summer, uh, we – LISD TV produced newscasts, like 30-minute newscasts twice a week for high school students. It was such a cool thing, and they taught me how to make a package, and I fell in love with video, and I fell in love with telling a story, and I fell in love with going out and meeting people and telling their story. And so I was like, all right, this is what I want to do. And then I think the on-camera stuff, too, you know, I feel like sometimes I give off a very confident vibe, but I can be kind of insecure, you know, a lot of times outside of work. And so that was very scary at first to be on camera and be a public figure, especially once I started this job. But for me to be able, I think it helps me connect with people better to be that face, you know what I mean? Or like people see me, I've gotten recognized at a couple different, like even just yesterday I went to a local robotics thing, which was super cool for Reading. Uh, They held the state championship and, you know, I just had fallen in love with this community. And it's really cool that people recognize me and have this connection and I can just make that connection better with people I think that helps me tell a story better so yeah that's how and then I really never looked back from there you know it's weird uh, most of my friends in college which is very which is very normal people don't know what they're going to do until even after they graduate you know? right and that's very very normal and, mo- yeah. and all of my friends in college were like that I'm like I want to be a reporter this is what I want to do and have just never really looked back and here I am so you basically knew <laughs> which, this is how it goes for a lot of people. You knew you were going to be a star, or you wanted to be one, which is totally fine. Because my mom, literally, I, my mom never told me this till like a month ago. I'm, yeah. I'm 23. She was like, I named you Blake because it's not common, but it's common yeah. enough. And then Blake Mayfield just sounds like someone who could be a star. You, my mom had a very similar thing because Mason Carroll, they were debating about like Macy or Mason. And my mom was like, you know what? Mason Carroll sounds like a really good lawyer or newscaster name. Right. So it worked, it it worked out perfectly. Yeah. yeah. And it was, you know, it wasn't so much again of like, again, it's very, it's a little bit of an ego boost when someone's sure. like, someone comes up to you like, oh, everyone's like, you're, 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 you're Madison or like, you're like Macy or everyone's all the people be like, you're on the news. You're the news lady. I got recognized right. in Goodwill last week. Someone was walking by and they're like, oh, there's the news lady. And it was just so, it was so funny. And I mean, you, you are know, on TV. There's yeah, nothing wrong people, with feeling good about it. that. And it's nice sometimes. It means you do a good job. Yeah. And like, and that's the thing is I hope I get recognized as the, you know, like a person who does a good job. And so, but it's, it's weird. You know, I never thought that I would be that public figure, but, and you know, again, it's still, 
you know, I don't do it for the public figure part of it being recognized. But, you know, it's nice. You know, it's nice. And of course like, oh, it hey. is. You know, I yeah. recognize you. And I'm like, oh, Because okay. you work hard for it. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't go to college and move cross country <laughs> and intern yeah. at, for nothing, you know. That's that's how I always think of it, yeah. you know. That's how I always think of it. Yeah. But And also, I mean, you got to have, I mean, ego is probably the best word. You got to have, like, that attitude or, like, a little bit of an ego. And everyone's got their own different things. Like, yeah. me, like... With George, I'm very boisterous on our phone calls. I'm very, like, I'm yelling. I'm, like, I'm talking shit. But, like, you got to have that. That's what gets you up in the morning. Yeah. You know, not everyone is cool with getting up at 3 a.m. Yeah. Not everyone's cool with staying, I'm sure, yeah. long I hours. I worked a 12-hour day on Friday because we had the fire. And yeah. it was insane. But it was, for me, I don't know. So, I'm a, it's weird. I'm so much of a perfectionist when it comes to work. Outside of work, I think because I'm so type A in work, I'm very more relaxed and chill and kind of go with the flow. But in work, I'm very type A. And I think that's my ego thing is I'm like, I want to be the best reporter. I want to put out my best content always. I want to <clears throat> be the best person for whatever community I'm working in. I felt the same way when I was uh, working um, at UT, you know, as a, like a student reporter. I was like, I want to be the best. Um, my mom used to say, uh, if you're not first, you're last. And it was just very, very, <laughs> very motivating, very motivating, yeah. you know, and it's, you know, in a certain sense, you know, it's kind of in a way can lead to quick burnout that um, is a whole nother thing. But it's also, I think, pushed me a lot in a good way where it's like, I want to be the best because I can do it. You know, I can put out the best content. It's yep. a representation of myself. Obviously, I have days where I'm just like, just do, just do, put, turn into an anchor vosat, please. I have no time to do this. I'm doing all this other crazy stuff. But then it's got my face on it. It's got my name. It's got my Mason Carroll, the North States News at the tag of it. So <laughs> that's all you need got, sometimes, you know, yeah. you know? Uh, on a Tuesday night. That's all yeah, you need sometimes. You know? yeah. like sometimes you're not feeling the Tuesday, yeah. or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, it's just like slap that package together. But then if I do that, I'm like, man, I could have done it better. I'll look back on work I've done and done and been like, man, I could have done that better, that better. But and I don't like get me down too long. And I think it just is going to continuously push me to reach, you know, sky's the limit. And that's kind of how I see it is like I can always get better. Like I'm never, I'm never going to reach that perfect ever. And I know that. But I think it really does motivate me to put out my best work, if that makes sense. Like I want to, Absolutely. I want to, I want to continuously be at the top. I want to have the top stories. I want to, I think that's why I like fires too, you know. I fucked with this, a, Mason. This you know is I mean? dope. Like, that's like, how I treat this. That's how I yeah, treat this podcast. Like you want, yeah, you're proud of it. It's got your name on it. I don't want it. you to be at the top. I want to be at the top. Yeah, exactly. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong, wrong with, with that. that. And I love yeah. all my coworkers. And that's, and that's the thing that makes it tough too, is I work with a tough bunch of motherfuckers like everyone that we hire like we were talking about before this is that we our boss hires good people especially you know we hire good people we have great reporters we, we do. have great producers we have a great squad we have a great no squad. humbleness at all yeah great squad great squad and everyone is such good journalists and we support each other too which also makes it amazing it's you know if i'm having a rough day or i'm kind of stressed they'll be like hey it's okay <laughs> calm down or if someone's kind of scrambling we're like hey you got it i have this contact or you know you need this or this and it's just such a great support system because I think, you know, everyone has their own drive for whatever reason that's pushing them to be their own best reporter, too, and it's great. And as much as I'm like, oh, I have to be the best, I have to be the best, it's not – like, no one's going to trip another person to get down, you know, to get on top of them, at least in our squad. You know, everyone's very, like uh, – like, what was it? Like, someone did a uh, – like, you know, anytime someone does a great package – you know, we'll watch it on the TV behind us, those tiny TVs next to the reporter uh, area. Right. And we'll be like, hey, that was a good story. Good job. Or, oh, my gosh, I love that shot. Or, hey, that interview you did, so good. And it's just really, really motivating. So it's a good mix to have my own personal 
drive and like I have to be the best, I have to be perfect, yada, yada, yada. But then also having a really great support system that I have built here and that I have at work has just been amazing too. So yeah, I can't complain. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I could definitely tell, but I, I'm sure you could second this. Like everyone pushes each other because like oh, for, yeah. for every <laughs> egotistical thing or for every, you know, like you said, a reason everyone does what they do, yeah. because there is a reason you want to be like a news reporter. That's oh, a very yeah. specific, you know, you're not driving trucks. You're not like working at like a yeah. store. Like that's a very specific thing, but everyone, you know, I know personally with me, if I get to have it here in Reading or, or wherever, you know, I, I know I will definitely have the job one day. It's, it's a matter of, you know, when, not if. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and you have to have that confidence with anything. Mm-hmm. I had that confidence with this podcast five years ago. Yeah. You know, but you got to let others push you. And mm-hmm. that's a good motivating factor. Yeah. You know, like you need that. Because yeah. if, if you were the only reporter, you would feel that burnout probably yeah. way before mm-hmm. you actually ever feel like, okay, like this week or just this time of year, like yeah. I'm good. We're talking about KRCR. Yeah. I want to let you know, and I did this a lot a couple of years back. I reached out to Mike Mangus. I don't know how many times. Yeah. I know he's not the most social media savvy dude. <laughs> yeah. um, you're my grandma's favorite reporter. That's why <gasps> oh, I wanted to have you on. Oh my god, what's her name? Sharon. Hi, Sharon. I just want to say this is <laughs> an honor to be your favorite reporter. And, oh yeah. my gosh, that makes me so happy. She likes your. I I realized this when I first started working here. She likes like in your packages where like. If you're doing a thing, there was one where I think you were talking about car theft up yeah. in Humboldt or something yeah. like that. And you would get out of the car and like yes, shut the door. Yes, the multi-stand-up. You do shit like yeah. that in every package. <laughs> yeah. And she likes that. Yeah. And, and oh, it makes good. you stand yeah. out. So you're you're her favorite. Aww. I remember that I've never even told George, uh, George this, I think. I reached out to you last year when you first initially got the job. You didn't ignore me. I, I, don't, no, here, I, I reached out on thing. Facebook. <laughs> here's the thing. I saw your message two months later. Mm. And I'm horrible about responding. And so I'm like, yeah. it's, I'm so, it's funny. As someone who reaches out to people for a profession, I probably call at least four different people a day for my job. I am horrible about responding on my own personal time, like to my own personal stuff. And so it was funny. I got a, a notification about a hate message on my Facebook message. Um, I was like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, Blake messaged me. Who's Blake? And I'm like, oh, my God, it's been two months since I responded. It's way too late to respond now. You could have responded any time. Oh like, I was it's all so good, embarrassed. I was like, oh, I my gosh, it. yeah. Yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> so this is like a full circle moment yeah. kind of for me because, like, that was when I was in the process of my whole point in that was I was trying to reach out to anyone I could to yeah. get an interview so I can get in the KRCR building. Now, yeah, they they hired me do. anyway. But, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. And then, like, meeting you in person, like, you were super cool, super chill. Because, uh-huh. you know, I, I'm not going to put names. And it's no one from the station specifically. Mm-hmm. But you meet certain people, and it's like, yeah. they're not who I thought they were. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, it's all good. But, like, yeah. they're just not who you think they are. Yeah. And you weren't like that, so thank you. And yeah. then, you know, my grandma likes your stuff, so, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. just wanted to throw it out there. Oh, but I appreciate that. And I feel like that's one thing I try to do. And, like, in a sense, to uh, some people at the station make fun of me for it, because I'm like, Mason Carroll, the North State's new. I, I'm going to say Sam Cominti always makes fun of me for that, my tag out. I wasn't going to say it, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, Sam and loves so, just, oh, it's yeah. just, just fucking with me with my tag that's out. That's Sam, though. Yeah, that, yeah, and that is Sam, and that's the thing. And I think that's good about... Like Sam and Anwar and a lot of our reporters too, they they're just unapologetically themselves. And I feel like for me, I'm still on a this line of like, okay, I want to be professional, but I also like I feel like I, the main reason I got into journalism, especially, is to make a difference. Is the and that's a whole me on again voice to, voice to the voiceless. Um, I want to make a difference because. I don't know. I just want to have an impact on the world and I want to have a good impact. And I have found a way to do that with doing something I love. And so, but I'm still on this line of like being professional, but then also I feel like I'm a 
decently nice, caring person, I also want that to come across too. And right. especially too, I am also kind of fun and goofy and sporadic outside of work too. So it's this weird balance of like, I want people to see me for me, but then also being like a woman in journalism too. If you're too, if you're too much of anything, you can also be criticized for that too. So it's this weird balance of like, I want to come off as genuine, but I also, I, in a certain sense, have to be more professional than sometimes some of the guys do because women in journalism get picked on sometimes more than the men do. And, 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 and just for it's different... It's not sometimes. Yeah, and just for, like, circum- different circumstances. Because I know, like, um, again, like, Dylan, Sam, and Omar might get, you know, everyone gets criticism all the time from the public. You know, it's not just, like... Us, but you know, there's just a certain they level of. They shit on Dylan. Right? Dylan if, is. If, listen, if for any <laughs> listeners who have ever shit so on Dylan nice. Brown, Dylan Brown is the nicest, he's caring, literally the nicest, the dude, nicest in that dude ever in like, the building. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. It's the nicest dude ever. Do not. It's like, takes that'd, so be like much that'd be like telling, like, cursing out a puppy. A puppy, <laughs> a puppy that is good at his job. And it is yeah. just like, yeah, it's insane that people. And that's something, too, that. I was having this conversation uh, about a week ago because I did a Facebook Live, um, and oh, I hate doing Facebook Lives. I heard about oh, my this. Gosh. What happened? Yeah, so I was doing a Facebook Live at um, – so RPD, basically, we got a call on the scanner, um, and they were emailing about it that RPD was, like, looking for this guy. And so there's, like, ten car, t- cop cars outside this house. And, again, sometimes it's still – like, you know, I'm doing my job as a journalist, but it's still kind of nerve-wracking because in the back of my head, I'm like, what, this guy runs out? You know, there's always that kind of what if. You know, there's police walking around these houses with guns, you know, and just, like, it's just – You might catch some violent shit on film. Yeah, exactly. On live, yeah. uh, Yeah, and so um, I do that. I talk to the neighbor, and that's the thing, too, is I always want to make sure I have the most information I can before I go live. And so I have – and they won't release the guy's name, and they won't really. Again, it's very, and it's I get it because it's a like you know we're doing our job, law enforcement's doing their job. It's nothing against that, but it's right. the public doesn't understand all the time that RPD is not going to give us all the information right at the scene. Ninety nine percent of the time, they're not going to. We wait for the press release or we bug, you know, uh, <laughs> the officers until they do. But ninety nine percent of the time, they're not going to give us the information. They're like call dispatch, and so basically, and uh, I get an email. They're like, hey, do a Facebook live while you're out there. Fuck, I hate doing Facebook Lives because you see the hate live while you're trying to do your job. So <laughs> you're doing here, a stressful job. Doing a stressful job. Yeah. So I'm already a little, not worked up at all because I've, again, st- stood in front of fires and done stand-ups. But, you know, just a little like, all right, this is going on. You're going live, live. And so I'm trying to, and the thing about Facebook Lives, too, is everyone's either like, you're too loud, you're too quiet, your connection's bad, da 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 so you're trying to listen to the comments and watch the comments come in in case it's too windy or you need to speak up. And people come in at different times. So you go, so you give kind of your spiel, and then you say, for those just joining, I'm on this and this and this. This is where I am. This is what's going on. This is why I know. I spoke with neighbors. They told me this. This is kind of a look at the scene. This is what it looked like earlier. <clears throat> go through that, and you go, again, for those of you just joining us, I'm here and here and there. And so I do this probably like three, four times because they want the Facebook Live to be a couple minutes. You know, you don't just want to – hop on and then hop off. Right. And so people on there were just being like, there's no point, this isn't news, you know. One guy was like, how much drugs did you take before this? And it just like, like it, it's just like like roasting me. Like the, none, man. Yeah, none, man. I'm just doing my job. And here's, <laughs> here's the thing. And this is something, and I get it. Like we put ourselves out here in the public and are dehumanized a little bit. You know, it's the same thing in, in a sense too that celebrities or social media people, you know, Go experience. You know too. you're getting yourself into it. Yeah, in, you know you're getting words, yourself into it. I know it's terms. something I yeah, and I, I signed myself up for it. Yeah. But what's frustrating to me is I am 
doing my job. I don't come to your marketing job and I'm like, hey, you didn't do those facts, the, the, the taxes right. Or I don't go to your construction job and I'm like, oh, you didn't do this right. You look horrible while you're uh, laying this concrete down or, you know, like, right. oh, you're not driving That's not right. not even. Yeah, right. I don't go to someone who's, you know, like uh, working retail and be like, oh, you're not doing your job right or you look horrible in that blouse. So, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, and so it's just, you know, that's something too. And it's, again, something we've signed ourselves up for. And then I know, but... And I think, too, something that I've realized, too, that helps me deal with the criticism is there. it's the loud few, you know. For everyone who's mean and comments and send me Facebook messages that are mean, there's also the ones who see me in public sometimes and will be like, hey, you're, you know, you're, our, you're our local news lady. I just want to tell you, you're doing a great job. And that makes it all worth it. And that makes it so much better than, <clears throat> and again, sometimes the hate can get to you. But that makes it so rewarding when someone comes up to you and is like, we love what you do. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Or I really liked, I had some, one guy come up to me <clears throat> in like December and said, oh, I really appreciate, I really liked your fire reporting. And for me, that again, that's something that I take to heart is all the fire reporting because it impacts so many people. So I take super that. Super important. Super important. Yeah. And people make fun of me at the station because they're like, oh, you're, you know, like, oh, you love the fires, da, 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 da. And, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah I do. Those because are the biggest stories. Bi- biggest stories. I'll, I'll stay the fire yeah, lady. Also, Thank you. I will happily stay the fire <laughs> reporter. Anytime, anytime yeah. I'll stay the fire reporter. Because here's, and people are like, <laughs> Sam was making a joke the other day. He's like, oh, you must be an arsonist. And it was like, no, no, no. Here's the thing. I have being out at the fires and seeing people who, who I've literally talked to people who've lost their homes and cried with people. And it's just so, it, it, it's that, that what I was talking about being able to make a difference. And it's like, I can't bring your home back. I can't, you know, make this fire go away, but I can tell your story. I can share your voice. And so, and it's a big story. And so that's why I do it on, you know, one of the, my favorite stories is I did this story about a dozer operator who lost his home in the Fawn Fire. He was working on the Dixie Fire, heard through the radio there was a fire near his home, and then by the time he got back into writing, his home was gone. And so the next day I did an interview with him and his family, and it like I <laughs> like was driving back to the station crying and just like it was just so emotional and just the strong strong man who has worked and served the community and worked along firefighters for. 30 years losing his home in a day after working so long on these fires. I shared that story on my Twitter and then I had a company out of Colorado who builds homes for people who lose their houses reach out to me and they're like, hey, can we get his contact information? And I double checked with the guy first because I'm not just going to give someone's contact information right. out. And they built him, they built him, they gave him a new trailer to live in. And that was just like... That's super dope. I'm like, that That right there is what I do this for, you know? Yeah. And so that was that was really cool. And yeah, I will happily stay the fire lady. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I, yeah. <laughs> if, if I were to get all the fire stories, I, mm-hmm. I would like flex that, honestly. Th- those are the biggest stories. Because yeah. unfortunately, around here, as I'm sure you've noticed, mm-hmm. it's a very common thing. Every summer we're going to have one. If we don't have one, it's, it's a very successful summer. I think the yeah. last summer we didn't have a single one. 2019, yeah. so two straight years. We just had that one. It's not yeah. even spring yet. Yeah. It's still considered winter. Yeah. So, yeah, it's crazy. I want to backtrack a little bit. Yeah. You said that you came here in a U-Haul, you and your mom <laughs> yeah. and your cat. Mm-hmm. How did you land specifically the job at KRCR? Yeah. Because you did the intern thing in New York, mm-hmm. originally from Texas. How did you get a hold of them? Did they get a hold of you? Yeah. I know you got to, like, and I'm working on mine. I'm still trying to even figure out how to go about it, but, yeah. like, I'm sure you sent in some reels. Yeah. You sent in stuff maybe of you at an anchor desk. Yeah. So how did this whole KRCR thing come about? Yeah. So I'm in New York, and I am <laughs> – 
I've been trying to work on it, but I'm really bad about living in the moment. And so I'm in New York and again, loving it, but I'm also like, all right, I love New York. This is great, but I'm ready to start working. I've been wanting to be, and again, I like reported and interned and stuff in college. And, you know, again, college reporters do an amazing job. But for me, I'm like, I have been wanting to be a reporter since I was 16, 17. Get me started. It's, it's so close. And so around like January and February, I put my reel together. I put on YouTube, do a couple of interviews with people who see my reels, you know, kind of going places. But then I'm like, eh, you know, I'm just going to, you know, kind of wait until I actually start applying. So I have this whole Google spreadsheet of different markets um, all around from <clears throat> like even East Coast to like uh, the, I was looking at a couple jobs in the Carolinas. I was looking at some jobs in Colorado and Oregon, um, upstate New York, and just everywhere. But I just knew I didn't want to go back to Texas because I love Texas. It's home. I have a very amazing family that I would like to one day go back to. But that's the thing. I, I can always go home. So right. I was like, get me out of here. I like that. Now, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. like, and like uh, my family's great and I miss them every day. I talk to my mom every day, but I know I can go back. And so I'm like, get me out of Texas. Never thought I'd work in California, though. That's the thing. I always thought I'd, I'd work in Oregon. I was set on, hmm. um, I'm not going to say specifically, but I was set on places in Oregon. And even just because I, went, I wanted the mountains. Because that, that's the funny thing, too, is I knew I wanted some place with mountains and trees. You got um, them. And I got yeah. them. And I got yeah, them. You it was did perfect. get them, yeah. And so um, I was set on uh, Oregon and this one specific market. And I was like, I want this so badly because it looks great and um so i started applying to different places and then i was like i just want to make my list longer and so i saw redding cheek on there had never heard anything about it <laughs> and but i was like all right it's a my goal too and not that market size doesn't matter you know it's kind of you know in a sense it's just like where like redding is the best starter market in my opinion it's there's so much breaking news out here as we saw last week um it's the best starter market but, you know, you start at a certain size and work your way up. But in a certain way, the numbers don't matter. But in my own competitive sense, I'm like, all right, it's a higher market than Lubbock, my hometown. So I'm going to full send, you know. My the numbers well. matter. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know, like, in you know, a sense. In a sense. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to apply here. Might as well see what happens. Um, and then a day after I applied, and I applied to both. I applied both to um, uh, KRCR and Action News just because, again, I didn't know any better. And so I just applied to both. And then the next day I got an interview from both news directors. And I did an interview first with Carrie, our news director. And if you know Carrie, Carrie could sell you a paperclip. Like has just the most like great energy, makes you feel very heard when you're talking to her. And just I was like this – I just – <laughs> after I got done with my interview with uh, Carrie, and I'd done a couple of other interviews, I called my mom, and I was like, Mom, and, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm decently religious, and so I called my mom, and I'm like, Mom, this just feels like a God thing. This feels very right. I want, I, this feels, this feels so right. And so I do, like, an hour-long interview with Carrie, and she wants to talk to me the wow. next, and the next day, too. And good so, sign. yeah, good sign. Yeah. And I'm like, this just feels so right. And then I do an interview with uh, Action News, and just, I'll keep it simple, just not my vibe. And uh, I was just like, all right, all right, you know, we'll see. And then I get back with Carrie. And then I did that. So I did Carrie's long interview, short interview with Action News, and then other interview with Carrie. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, if I were to go, and it's still, again, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, I might still want to go to Oregon, but this is close. But, you know, so I do that. But then after that, I'm just like, I, I want this job. It just felt so right. And I was constantly looking up pictures of Reading and what it looks like and everything. And um, I got the job. And because of Sinclair, like, it took a while to get my contract. You know, we have to sign contracts. And I um, had a couple of other other interviews come up. Um, 
with before before I signed my contract with um, other stations that I had originally wanted to go to, and I turned them down, and I was because I wanted this. This just felt you know when it feels right, and I'm of a course. very big believer in what's meant to be is meant to be, and what's supposed to happen is supposed to happen. Yeah, I'm too. And so I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be, and it has been just. There had been some very very tough moments in this job, but. I am so thankful for everyone I've met here. I'm so thankful for all my coworkers who have become friends and all the people I've met here. And yeah, that's how I got here. And but and that was my big thing too, just applying everywhere, see where I could get. I did a ton of interviews. Um, I had some you know bigger sized markets call me and do interviews that I ended up turning down to and not setting up interviews because I'd already you know uh, started the hiring process here. And I would I don't I don't regret it at all. I really don't. As much as this That's job great. can be so tiring sometimes, as much as sometimes, you know, again, being in a smaller market and not have as many resources, it's, it's, I, I wouldn't change it for the world because I've learned so much. I've grown so much in the nine months I've been here now. So, yeah, I guess tomorrow it starts. Yeah, tomorrow's the seventh. Yeah, tomorrow is my, yeah. uh, I guess, official nine months here. So, yeah, awesome. wouldn't, wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. yeah, but that's how I got the job at the North States News. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go to break, yeah. I have a question for you. Oh, yeah. On being a female reporter, because yeah. you've brought it up a couple times, and thank you, because it, it was going to be a hard oh, transition, because no, I, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't yeah. want to sound bad. Like, oh, no, I what, get What's it, it like yeah. being a woman? You know, a woman, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it sounds like it's degrading. Yeah. But there are probably some things that I'm sure, you know, you mentioned the Facebook Live thing, yeah. where, you know, I'm sure yeah. you're either getting hate mail from guys, mm-hmm. or guys yeah. shooting their shots, quote oh, unquote, and, my and it's Instagram like, DMs Ugh. constantly, and <laughs> I have had to block a couple people. It might feel good on one hand, but the other hand, it's uh, like, yeah, no, you know, like, I'm just doing my job, yeah. but yeah. public figure, mm-hmm. you deal with stuff like that. Yeah. So, what are the biggest challenges of being a news reporter, and is there anything especially hard about being a female reporter mm-hmm. in this business. Absolutely. I think a thing is I know sometimes people are going to take me less seriously because I'm a woman, which is shitty. And it's something, and that's why, like I said, at work I want to be very professional and nice. But don't what am I, don't take my kindness for weakness, you know what I mean? Mm. So just because... Mm. <laughs> just, Isn't that right? Yeah. Just, like, just because I'm nice and upfront, and like and like I will treat everyone the same. I will go out of my way for someone... But just because I'm a nice woman doesn't mean I'm and I'm blonde, doesn't mean I'm dumb, doesn't mean I'm not good at my job, doesn't mean I got my job because I look a certain way, you know? And so I think that's one of the things, too, is sometimes I don't get – I feel like I don't get taken as seriously. Because I've had people who I've done interviews with who have hit on me after or messaged me afterwards and constantly, like, emailed me or, you know, said things about that. It's like, I'm not, like – I'm not flirting. I'm doing my job. I was doing my I'm job. I'm doing my man. job, yeah. and I'm just being nice. And just in general, and this is a whole other thing with some guys, where it's like just because I'm nice to you and talking to you doesn't mean I'm hitting on you. And I think that's one thing too is I'm doing my job. I have to be professional, and I can't as much as much as some people in my in my life are just like tell them the fuck off. I can't. Right. You know, I can't. You're a public figure. I'm a public figure. Yeah. I can't. But you know, it's also. I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm very proud to be a woman and, but it is definitely, that's a challenge or people are coming on your looks. One of the stories I learned in college when I was taking a, uh, I was taking like a broadcast class and our professor told us this story of some research that uh, a news station did in Australia, I want to say. And a woman, you know, there were two anchors. It was a male and female anchor uh, who did the nightly show every night, um, kind of like Mike and Tamara. Right. And the woman changed her outfit 
every day and constantly got messages about you look ugly in this, you look bad in this, this looks bad on you, you shouldn't do your hair like this, this color makes you look fat, yada, yada, yada. The male anchor wore the same suit and tie every day, didn't get a single comment on right. it all year. So at the end of the experience, they called out the viewers, and they're like, this is ridiculous. Here's all the comments she got just for existing and changing her outfit. I wore the same tie and suit every day, and no one said a damn thing. And I think that's a perfect example of it, you know. But in a sense, too, I am very stubborn, and it just pushes me to go harder and more of that kind of perfectionism thing. I'm like, all right, do you think I can't do it because um, – I'm, I'm white. A, I'm uh, yeah. Well, I'm a white female. Yeah, I'm yeah. a white female. And, God, I think you know, that's what like, you're kind of inferring. Like, well, just because yeah. I'm like um, I'm a white blonde, blue eyed female. You know, like I'm just you know my. I feel like some people sometimes think I'm like ditzy, or you know, I come off as that because I'm. Or they just gave you the job because you are. Yes, because white I look a certain. Yeah, because right. I look a certain way. It's like yeah. I have worked my ass off for this position. I have been working since I was, you know, a 15 year old to be a journalist, basically, and. I'm, I'm sorry, I've earned my place here, and I'm going to, but I'm going to have to continue to prove myself to certain people in society always because I am a woman. But again, it makes me super stubborn, or I am super stubborn, and so I'm going to continuously be like, all right, F you, I'm going to prove you wrong. So <laughs> I that, like yeah. that shit. I like yeah. that. I mean, how I think of it is like, you know, I, I love sports. I talk yeah. to George about this all the time. Like, even guys like LeBron James, you got haters. Yeah. He might have more haters than, than oh, fans. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and that's just the way, and he's. LeBron, like, yeah. so I, I'm not above it. You, no yeah. one's above it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. even the most celebrated, most accomplished, you know, decorated, whatever, yeah. athletes or entertainers or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, even Leo only has one Oscar. Yeah. And he's Leo. He's Leo, yeah. It took him 20, 25 years into his career, you yeah. know? And I, I don't even think that was his best role, but yeah. it is what it is. <laughs> so let's take a break, and when yeah. we come back, we will talk about more on the personal side of reporting and kind yeah. of what pushes you personally, and we'll get into that kind of stuff. Sounds great. All right, and we are back. So- I want to dive into more of personal you, kind of how you personally feel about separating your job from your personal life (laughs) and how you are able just to balance all this stuff and be a public figure and, and, you know, how you're able to like get rest at night and not overthink stuff. Cause you were talking about during the break and we'll get into this in a little bit, uh, burnout mm-hmm. and going through peaks and valleys of feeling it and then being just like a workaholic and then feeling <laughs> that again. So let's talk about this just to lead all this off. Yeah. What's the biggest motivator in your life that pushes you to keep reporting? Is it just cause it's always been the dream and it's yeah. just like a fiery passion? Is it people talking shit? Is <laughs> it hate mail? Is yeah. it, is it love from people? What yeah. motivates you to keep going? Yeah. Um, I think it is, it's a mix. It's definitely a mix. And I think that's what keeps me going is because I have a mix of things that do drive me. So when one motivation might be low, the other that is there is helping me continue on. So I think first, just my love for journalism. I have a stick up my butt about journalism and local news and news is so important and especially to our community and making a difference. And, you know, it's easy to say that people could say local news is dying, you know, which is sad because it makes such an impact on the community. And so that pushes me again. Like I said, my mom graduated also from the University of Texas with a journalism degree. And so I grew up, yeah. And so I grew up with that. We always got the newspaper at my house and, um, Always had, you know, just watching something, staying up to date with everything. So I think news in general is very important, and I want to contribute to that. I think, like I said, one of the biggest things is I want to make a difference. And being able to make a difference through this really is a motivator for me. Like, I want to find that story where I can change someone's life, or I want to give a voice to someone in need. And so that pushes me. My love for just creating 
And, like, whenever you put a package together and you start on a really good shot or you have a really good nap pop off the bat or you do a really creative stand-up in the middle of your package or you tag it out with just the most, you know, emotional soundbite. And I think putting that together also motivates me, and I love it. And I have this wild dream. The big dream, like I said, is I would love to work on long-form um, investigative stuff. And, mm. you know, I feel like, oh, you know, like I'd like to make my way back to Texas eventually. I would love to work in Dallas, you know, and, like, I'd love to work as an investigative, investigative environmental reporter in Dallas and, you know, have a family, yada, yada, all that stuff. But the dream dream I want to be uh, on 60 Minutes. That's, like, my dream. I like, was going to ask you that yeah. as the last. Okay. Yeah. All that's, right. that's, like, where I want to well, be. That, that's the top journalist show yeah. still in America. Mm-hmm. It's definitely more journalistic yeah. than that, The best. And I'm like, maybe when I'm there, then I'll be settled. I'll be like, all right, I've made it. But you're even then, I know. You're, no, no, no. you're going to be wanting to go I'll on GMA like, right, or yeah. do something. Yeah. <laughs> that's just how life goes. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, that's the dream. And so I feel like sometimes when it's like, if you're getting a lot of hate from the community and you're like, oh my gosh, I just like, you know, why am I doing this? You know, if people don't care. But then I'm like, okay, but I do like, the creative part of it or if I'm like I'm so tired of Avid Avid is the most annoying thing ever I hate editing you know today it's the worst but it's like I want to turn a good story or I want to do this for the community and so it's like a balance of that so there's multiple things that do keep me going I'd say those are probably the top ones is making a difference I just have a love for journalism um I'm stubborn and want to be the top and I want to prove people wrong. And so I think that's one too. And I like that. yeah. And so those yeah. are probably different reasons. So it just kind of depends, you know, like I said, at the core of it, again, I want to make a difference and I love journalism and what we do. Uh, but then, you know, depending on the day, depending on the month, you know, kind of depends on like, okay, this month, you know, someone was being shitty to me last week or about what I'm doing. I'm going to prove them wrong and do really, really good this month and continue to do, you know, really good or, um, there's been a ton, like our, like again, during fire season, like a lot of these communities have been hurt. I want to help them. I can't, again, I can't give their, give them their homes back or I can't rebuild anything or I can't make the fire stop. I can't physically go out there and fight the fire, but I can tell their story or warn people, get out when you need to, or be that breaking news or tell these stories. And so kind of a balance of different things that pushes me, but yeah, those are probably the top ones that in rotation. Okay. So we've done an hour of yeah. just like the job, <laughs> why you wanted the job, yeah. moving for jobs. And we can go as far as you want. I want to ask about Mason Carroll, just the woman, just you and how you feel. How do you separate personal life from the job? (laughs) Because, you know, you say you like to go out. You you said you got uh, recognized at Goodwill and stuff like that. And, you know, people don't realize, but, like, that's your personal time, you know. And not that they're impeding on that. I I, I don't think you view it that way No, I love when people, yeah. You know, but at the same time, it's like, it's, I'm not. Yeah. That's the I'm last not thing I want right to talk now. about. Yeah, yeah, I'm not exactly. on right now. I'm not on the air yeah. right now. Like yeah. I'm just, but people don't know that, and they can't yeah. help themselves. Yeah. You know, especially if it's if it's good stuff. You know, yeah. they're just like, hey, I want to let you know. Mm-hmm. But what do you do on your free time on the weekends? Yeah. How do you separate that from the job? Yeah, um, it's hard because also too, like I said, I'm I, I love news, so I constantly my uh, boyfriend gets on to me about it. He's like, turn your notifications off. And there was a couple weeks ago. Where there was, it was just, you know how we get stuff on the scanner and people will, uh, you know, email like, oh, on the scanner someone said this and this. My phone was going off. And he's like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, there's someone, RPD says there's someone with an axe downtown. I want to see what happens. He's like, what are you going to do about it? You're off the clock. And I'm like, I want to know. I want to stay. I like, I want to know what's going on. And yeah. so it's been, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes because it's like, I, w- I want to know what's going on. Because, and that's hard too because you have to constantly be thinking ahead for your next story. So I'm trying to be better about it, about like, okay, when I'm off, I'm off. But 
you know, I'd still like to stay in tune. But for me, for my sanity, um, I love baking. Uh, I okay. uh, I don't so I I love baking and cooking. I don't eat meat, so I try a lot of new recipes and stuff in my free time when I have free time. Um, and I I I love working out. I like lifting a lot. I've been getting back into running. Um, like I like we were talking about too. I've kind of come out of the burnout phase, and so when I was really stressed, I'd just go run, which is not like me. I really like lifting and different things like that. So I've been getting into more running and doing that. Uh, but that also is for my sanity. Sometimes if I'm not completely dead at the end of the day, I'm like, I need to go run. This has been an, a crazy day. I just need to like listen to EDM music and just run for like 15 minutes and then go lift some heavy weights and I'll feel better. Um, so that I really like being outdoors. That's what I like about the North state is getting out. Um, two weeks, three weeks ago, I just took a trip to the coast and that was kind of after like a month and a half long burnout. And it was really nice to just Get away, be in nature. Um, we visited the uh, Grove of Giants in the Redwood National Forest, and that was oh, amazing. Saw the world's amazing. tallest tree. It was great. That amazing. Was, that was one of the things, too. That was one of the hardest things I've probably ever done is we went off the trail because it's, you're, you don't know where the hardest tr- like the tallest tree is. Um, they don't make it public because they don't want a lot of people going to it, but you can look it up on Google. So we went like, right. um, it's called quote unquote bushwhacking and went like walking around, around the river trying to climb. And again, being from Texas, like I love going outside and hiking. This was insane. We were like climbing up trees and I'm like holding onto ferns, trying to climb up this hill. And it was insane. But it was also one of those moments where I'm like, wow, I'm proud of myself for doing this. So I like doing things like that. New experiences, traveling, things that push me, um, baking, cooking, working out, um, all those things to keep my sanity because sometimes it is really, really hard to disconnect yourself from work. So I like to do things that make me happy on my free time and traveling makes me happy. Trying new things makes me happy. Baking. I love, I bring a lot of stuff into the newsroom when I bake a lot. And I was literally saying yesterday, I'm like, Oh, I want to bake stuff for people at work because I like to bake and bring it in. And I'm like, I haven't done that in like two months because I've been so burnt out and sad and different things like that. So I've been feeling more like myself. And so I'm like, Oh, I want to do that tomorrow on Monday is uh, my Sunday. And so, cause I work uh, Tuesday through Saturdays and I don't, you know, mm. have, you know, it's just me most of the day by myself, like doing laundry and cleaning and stuff like that. And so I'm like, Oh, I'll bake tomorrow, bring stuff into work. I'll probably make lemon squares. So lemon yeah. squares. Yeah. Okay. I love making lemon squares, awesome. bring lemon squares, focaccia bread. I'll bring banana bread into work sometimes. And yeah. And yeah, that's how I keep my sanity because sometimes it's just, crazy and like I said you're always you're always a little on too like I said even in public like there's been times where I've been at a restaurant and you know I'm like I'm like oh I'm not I'm really not a heavy drink I don't drink by myself I'm a social drinker and so I like if I'm out at a restaurant and like I'll have a drink I'm like all right I also have to be careful too because people have (laughs) have, yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and I'm just like all right I gotta you know kind of watch what I do and watch what I say and not be like oh is that the reporter drinking a giant margarita right like oh yeah you know it's normal but yeah because I wouldn't judge anyone else ever for what they do but stick a camera in their face yeah I wouldn't stick a camera like oh my gosh are you so and so are you a drunk I'm like no I'm having a drink my I'm a a person I'm a person I'm having a drink at Cicada's because I can and it's been a long week and I haven't had a margarita in like three weeks let me have a margarita man and not judge me and yeah yeah. but yeah it's kind of it's a balance I'm working at it and but definitely doing things that I like in my free time again when I have free time is a must to keep me going and kind of refresh myself so yeah so a lot of that stuff kind of answers the deal with burnout question yeah just, I want to know personally, yeah. maybe people don't know out there, mm-hmm. do you, 
you guys get vacation time throughout the year <laughs> as reporters? Do you have to negotiate that in the deal? Yeah. Is it planned beforehand? Like, how does that work? Because so, there's no way you guys could just go yeah. constantly. So we have vacation time. I think we get two va- two weeks of vacation a year. And then if you do, like, on holidays, you can do, like, pay times two, you know, or you can do pay and a half plus a uh, extra holiday day. And a lot of times I do that because – I want to go home and see my family. Like, I need to put in the time off to go see my family in April because it's in between my mom and my brother's birthday. And like I said, I'm a big family person. And so that's all – so, like, you know, that's been hard too. But I saved up my vacation time and just took a week off in January and just went home and saw my family. I went to Austin, saw some friends uh, that I went to college with, stayed there for two days, um, came back and was with family. So we do have vacation time. But for me, I like to work around it a lot. And, like, I'll leave uh, Saturday night after um, – I get off of work and, like, go somewhere and stay somewhere and then come back Sunday or um, just take Sunday to, like, go hiking on a whole day-long trip thing or stuff like that. Kind of work arounds, too. And, yeah, but we get vacation, but then it's also hard, too, because you have to – you have it's not like – you have to produce a newscast and you have to fill two hours or three hours every day of content. And so it's also, too – you have to, like, the holidays are hard, very bare-bones staffed. Again, of course, because people want to take off, they want to see their families, but it's like, you know. There's stuff the bus. There's stuff the bus, and there's this, and, And like, yeah, Yeah. like, I worked on Thanksgiving. Like, I just did Thanksgiving with friends, because my parents were going to come down, but then it was just so, I didn't know if I was going to get off or not, and I ended up working. Again, which is, you know, you have to do, you have to, you know, work. It's, I knew going into this job, I was going to work holidays, and for some luck of whatever scheduling, it worked out that I didn't work on Christmas. Um, and my family came up, and that was great. And But, yeah, we do get holidays, but it's hard because, you know, planning these holidays. Because you can't take off during sweeps, so you can't take off in um, February, May, uh, July, or October. And you're, like, not – like, <laughs> Carrie told me, she's like, you know – my first sweeps, she's like, you know, just something you should know for the biz. Never have a, a marriage in this, 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 or this month, or never to have big events during this and this month because it sweeps. You can't take off because you have to put your best foot forward and produce stuff for ratings. And so it's kind of hard because it's like you're limited when you can take off. You're limited because not a lot of people can take off around the same time, and you have to balance that, or someone has to cover for that shift. Like if I'm taking off on a Saturday, which I will be doing in like a month or two, then someone's going to have to cover that Saturday. You know, and so it's a balancing thing. And sometimes, too, I feel bad for taking off. And, again, this is just something new in the business, working that burnout and, you know, trying to be a human outside of work um, or being a human in general. That I right. Being a human yeah. in general. Like I'm, uh, you yeah, are a person. I am yes. a person. Yeah. And so it's like sometimes I feel bad for taking off or asking, like, I've only – I think I've used – I've been here nine months. I think I've used two sick days. And Wow. Yeah. And it's just like – it's okay to take care of myself, you know, or like there, like during the holidays, um, like I got COVID tested and everything like was never had anything like that, but I was very sick. And like, I had like a, like head cold and a sinus infection and was still going to work because we were so short staffed and, you know, we needed reporters, we needed content and you just kind of got to do it for the team in a sense, at least in my opinion. And, but then also too, like I said, it's hard to, for me, I got to be better about taking care of myself. And I think that what, is what led to a recent burnout. And so it's, again, it's that balance, which fresh out of college, first job, first year, still trying to find that balance, but it's a work in progress. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, I mean, on the topic of that, and I mean, obviously working in news, everyone yeah. knows Omicron swept like yeah. the whole fucking country <laughs> yeah. in December. 
And now, you know, I don't want to say it's gone because mm-hmm. there's people who have family members that are maybe yeah. sick and stuff. But COVID's really slowed down because yeah. there's no new variant to attach yeah. to anyone. Everyone's got it. Everyone's immune, right? So remember, I got it. Got sick as hell. Mm-hmm. And... I understand the whole, like, I just want to get back to my shit because, yeah. like, I had to take two weeks off. Yeah. I had both my jobs, yeah. working 60-hour weeks. Um, and it's like, by day nine or ten, I'm thinking, like, oh, I'm good. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not quarantined anymore. I'm good. I'm mm-hmm. straight. I go to do this. Like, I can barely, like, still, like, breathe in the shower. Mm-hmm. Weird shit. Like, oh, I yeah. can't taste food still. And it's just, like, you can't, you know, push yourself when you're already under siege, if you will, being yeah. sick or being, you know, and sometimes you have to, it sounds yeah. like, but you know, that's a real thing is, is, and I'm not like a reporter or nothing like that, but it's, it's a real thing, man. I mean, getting up by 3am five days a week for day oh, break. Yeah. Like that's no Yeah, I give joke. y'all props for that. Like, that is insane. <laughs> a part of like psycho competitor me loves that. Yeah. Cause it's like, cause it's like no oh, I'm the one. Yeah. I, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Cause I, yeah. So oh, great. I totally get it. Cause there's been a couple of times yeah. where I've worked for Daybreak or I've come in early to work for stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm working. I'm showing up earlier yeah. today than everyone Fuck else. Y'all. Y'all Fuck y'all. Yeah. 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 I get it. You're I get it. Yeah. yeah. Like I get up every day at about 6:30, and like all like my family calls it soaking. Like I'll soak like where you just kind of lay in bed before you get out of bed. Right. And so like I'll soak for like 15 or so minutes, but then like all right, I'm up. Or like some days in the mornings I'll go to the gym at like six, and it's just like. Like, all right, I'm up early. It's I'm getting pride. my start. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's pride. It's like, yeah. And, but then also, too, it's that balance of, all right, I'm still human. Some days I'm like, okay, it's okay to sleep in until seven. It's okay to get your eight hours and stuff like that. But I totally get the, uh, no one else is up at 3 a.m. Yeah. I'm doing that. Yeah. And granted, I went to bed at 7 p.m. Like, everyone's <laughs> just finishing up dinner or they're just starting yeah. to go out, you know, but that's just, that is what it is, yeah. you know? Like, I mean, just for me personally, like yeah. Friday, uh, Saturday morning, yesterday morning, I had to get up early for a doctor's appointment. I don't know why I agreed to, like, 8 a.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> I had to get up, got seven hours yeah. rest. Yesterday, I think I literally slept, like, ten and a half hours. I yeah. woke up, and it was, like, 9 a.m., and I'm like, I went to bed at, like, 10 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, I literally slept, like, um, like 11 hours. That yeah. was insane. But, you know, just listen to your body, you know? Yeah. And, and that's oh, my a big gosh. Thing. I am such a... That's a whole nother topic, but I am such a big person on listen to your body, you know, what it needs, what it needs fuel, what it needs rest, when it needs exercise, when it needs this. I'm such a, totally agree on that, such a big person of listen to your body. Your body yeah. knows what it needs and it knows what it wants. And yeah. Even if it's something bad, you know, sugar. Yes. Even if it's, it's all about bad. Oh my like, gosh. Yes. Like sometimes, oh you my need, gosh. Yeah. sometimes you need, a, 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 you know, some red meat or something. I mean, <laughs> you don't eat meat, but like sometimes you need that drink. Sometimes you just yes. need stuff. Yes. There's oh times my, where it's I all need about sugar. balance. Yes. I, yes. I'm such a big, per, yes. I call, I would it's technically consult, I would call myself a big intuitive eater. Um, that's such a big thing for me is like intuitive eating and listening to your body, listening to like, when you're full, when you're hungry, um, different things like that. And I am so big on listening to your body, what your body needs, and different things like that. And, yeah. And, like, and I went through uh, – all growing up, I was a big dieter. And so coming out of that and, like, you know, different things for that, I was like, now I'm like, okay, I need to listen to my body, what it needs, what it wants, and – yeah, treat my body good. And sometimes treating my body good is eating ice cream, right. you know? And sometimes treating my body good is just going for a walk outside and not running or not lifting weights, but just going outside and for a you know, mile walk around, you know, the Sacramento River. And that's listening to my body. Or sometimes listening to my body is going to bed early and sleeping in or not getting up at 6.30. And, yeah, I'm a big person on that. For sure. Yeah. So – Let's get into this. I, yeah. We just kind of stumbled upon this. I yeah. work at Sprouts. Yeah. Sprouts is a very 
It is like a health conscious store, but it's yeah. more of a diet store. Oh, oh. it's more of like you know, are you keto? Are you paleo? Are you, yeah. you know, vegans? Yeah. Love sprouts, yeah. Jesus Christ! Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or are you just a normal person that yeah. has some money? Because there's a yeah. lot of people. I didn't realize yeah. this about Reddit. And I was like, oh, there's a lot of people here that yeah. just got money that oh, just yeah. like to come and just buy nice shit. Yeah. So. What kind of diets have you tried? Are there any in particular that you, because it sounds like you're yeah. vegetarian, yeah. Um, which vegan is well, just out oh, of the question for me. I can't yeah. do the fake here's meat. The, here's the thing on the thing and that my, uh, that like people at work get, make fun of me for is I wouldn't consider myself a vegetarian. I'm quote unquote plant-based because I don't like to put a label on it. And that's a whole gotcha. thing is someone who dieted. I literally started dieting when I was 10 years old. And so, wow. yeah, yeah. And so dieting from like 10 until, and like, I'm very open about this in my personal life. I don't know if I've publicly said this, but I'm very open about this. But, like, I've gone to therapy for different, like, eating stuff like that because I started dieting at such a young age. And so because of that, I have a very big, like, key, like, aware, like, I'm so anti, uh, in my opinion, diet culture because that led me into a place where I needed to go to therapy. And so because of that, I am very, like I said, listen to my body, what it needs, good exercise and joyful movement, listening to your hunger, fullness scales, different things like that. And yeah, when it comes to dieting, I used to do, uh, you know, I will, this is Mason Carroll's public statement. And like I said, I'm very (laughs) iffy about when I cuss, but fuck my fitness pal, because I use my fitness pal in like middle school and would only eat like a thousand calories a day, different things like that. And so would do low calories. I tried keto, did like the military diet, different things like that, like cut all cut out all carbs and so that's no fun no fun that's, that's no, no way to live yeah, that's no I way like to live chips. Yeah, yeah chips are great yeah everything's great <laughs> Every in moderation chip. yeah i don't think i've ever had a bad chip i don't think yeah. i've ever had a bad soda <laughs> good tortilla had... good tortilla chips and queso again chef's kiss right. amazing yeah yeah, yeah. That's and great. so yeah no i'm a big believer in that stuff because you know you like we're on this earth to live we're on this earth to have a good time to treat other people good and i think the like shittiest I've probably treated people is when I'm on diets and when I'm starving myself and when I'm not happy and I'm not in the lowest points I've been in my life has definitely been when I'm not treating my body well and not even and when I mean not treating my body well I feel like a lot of people think of like oh overeating or eating junk food no it's the opposite side of that like extreme dieting doing other stuff you know like that that's not good for you and that's when I've been the most insecure and most you know deflecting my own insecurities on other people or different things like that. And I don't want to do that. That's not the type of person I am. And so because of that, and to be the most joyful, nice, want to share good Mason that I think I am and that I try to be, I also want to, you know, feel good and feel my body the good way. And again, sometimes that means, you know, eating your vegetables and I like adding spinach to stuff as much as I can to get that good vitamins. But also too, I love Trader Joe's mochi, vanilla mochi from Trader Joe's. If you haven't tried it, you have to try it. It's really good. <laughs> Mochi's good. Mochi's really Mochi's good. Very good. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, that's how I feel about that stuff. So again, we can go as far as you want. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I'm someone that, and I don't mind sharing this. I've shared it yeah. before on the platform. I've done therapy, yeah. being diagnosed for certain things, yeah. taking medication for certain mm-hmm. things. And I know that I'm a competitive psychopath, even with my, own, <laughs> even more so with my friends, yeah. people that because people that don't know you, they're they're yeah. willing to like fight you and shit. Yeah. They're willing to like mm-hmm. do that. George, my friends don't even <laughs> like playing basketball with me. Yeah. I know it. They don't like inviting me out to mm-hmm. sport because I am crazy. Yeah. But it comes from the fact that I was very, very fat growing up. I, I just was yeah. and got made fun of it mm-hmm. a lot. Lost weight in middle school, mm-hmm. kind of put it back on in adulthood. I, I, think, oh, I, think, totally. I think everyone yeah. does a little yeah. bit unless you just like work out crazy. Yeah. But 
was there any particular event? Was there something mm-hmm. that happened when you were young that like mm-hmm. dieting at 10 <laughs> is extreme? Yeah. And, and you know, and you said it yourself, like that's like, you know, you needed some help for that. What, and it sounds like I bring all this up because it sounds yeah. like you're very competitive as well. Yeah. What you got to be to get in this business oh, and yeah. be good at something mm-hmm. like this. Yeah. It's just one of those things. Yeah. You know, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Was there any event or anything in particular that made you kind of this way competitive wise? Or is it just like. I think it's just kind of who I am. And again, like I um, in going through therapy and again for specifically like. I'll say this, like eating disorder stuff. Um, when I was talking to my therapist, they're like, you know, one of the key factors for this obviously is dieting, but then also to people who have kind of that all or nothing mentality are more likely to inherit or to get an eating disorder than someone who's not because you're very that competitive. Same thing. I grew up a bigger kid, and that's why I started dieting at such a young age. And in hindsight, I would have just mellowed out, you know. In the long run, dieting made me do that – phase of losing a ton of weight, gaining it back, losing it, ton, you know, gaining it back. And now I'm in such a like healthy place where I just, you know, maintenance weight, different things like that and don't even think about it. But it's just, I think having that competitiveness to be like, oh, I'm eating the least amount of calories or, oh, I'm doing this diet or stuff like that. Or just kind of that I have to be the best or, you know, being a big kid, you know, growing up in middle school. That and shit's like, rough. Even, yeah. And yeah. being like, I, and I was also just taller than everyone too. You know, I was like, uh, I was like all the other girls were probably like a foot shorter than me. I was just a bigger wow. kid. Yeah. And then, and then like now I'm, now I'm five, six, I'm just average. And I got the same story. Yeah. I've and been this height for like literally over yeah, 10 years. Yeah. yeah <laughs> literally since eight. I was like 12, I've been, yeah. T- and I'm 22 now. And so you, I've been five, six since I was 12 and I, you know, would have me- like mellowed out into a good weight, but yeah. Um, anyone who goes on these restrictive diets, I like, you know, sometimes I, I, I'll see my friends do it and like literally hurts me because I've been there. And I don't want them to go through the same thing I have. And so, because it's, again, it's just like life is beautiful. Why would you want to, again, like treat your body how it should be, you know, treat your body good, you know. You know, again, like treating your body good also means like eating. I don't like to call food good or bad, you know what I mean? Because I think that is also to stuff I learned in therapy, yada, yada, yada. But also, you know, puts this label and puts anxiety around eating. You know, we need to eat to survive. And so I'm a big person on, you know, just listening to your body again, like I said, and, you know, life is, life is fun. Eat, eat the piece of cake. Also, um, eat, have a smoothie every once in a while to get those good vitamins and nutrients that your body needs. You know, it's all about balance. And so I feel like for me, again, the competitiveness and the all or nothingness definitely pushed me towards going to the extreme also when it came to dieting. And I am very thankful for, I'm a big part of everyone should go to therapy, man. And so I'm very thankful for therapy and all the stuff. That a lot of y'all need it. Oh my God. Oh, a lot of, yeah. A lot of, like, you're not if, if you're listening and you've gotten this far into the podcast and you're debating about going to therapy, go to therapy. It and doesn't make, see. yeah, it doesn't make you weak. It just, yeah. it helps. I, yeah, I would not be the person I am today without therapy. One of the reasons that pushed me to go to therapy is for my job because I don't want to be a journalist struggling with an eating disorder because that's going to take away from my job. And it's not going to make me the reporter that I want to be. And, like, even when I have, like, not even, not, not, I wouldn't even call it relapses, but times where I'm, like, really picky about my body or, like, working out not to do joyful movement or because it makes me feel good, but because I'm, like, oh, so-and-so made a mean comment. I should, you know, work on this. Or, like, maybe I shouldn't eat this, you know. Even when I go through waves on that, it takes away from my me being able to be a good reporter. And so I think that also snaps me back to it is I'm, like, no, I don't want to, I want to be able to be good at my job. I want, I'm not as much of a present friend when I'm going through these things. I'm not, you know, I want to be a good friend. I want to be a good daughter and sister. I want to be a good reporter. I want to be a good human being and going through 
these phases and dieting and all this self-hatred that comes from that makes me not as good. And I just, you know, want to be good and help people. And I think that takes away from it. So that's also my motto on that and what keeps me pushing towards recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so you mentioned this burnout from yeah. December, January yeah. uh, in that range. Okay. Yeah. What, we don't have to dive into what it was about, yeah. but like, how did you kind of like pull yourself out of that? And like, <laughs> where did that come from? You think just like yeah. six, seven months straight of just mm-hmm. doing reporting? Was there something that happened for the first time yeah. or anything? Like, like what happened there and how did you pull yourself out of it? Just for people that may listen to this in the industry mm-hmm. or maybe, you know, your friends or something that maybe, you know, you mentioned going to therapy, mm-hmm. how would they deal with this? What would be your advice on how to pull yourself out of a rut basically? Yeah. So I think for me, um, surround yourself with good people. Um, <clears throat> I feel like sometimes I'm always like, it's it's very hard for me to open up. Um, at least when I come to people with my problems, like I was talking to someone the other day, I'm like, oh, I finally feel better. And they're like, you were going through a hard time. Like, yeah, I'm really good at hiding it. But, like, I'm able to – at least I have some really good people that I talk to um, that aren't here that are in Texas or New York or, you know, Austin, you know, just different places. Um, surround yourself with good people because I love being social. I love talking to people. And when I find myself going through a rut and going back into, like, a depressive stage, I don't like to socialize. And so forcing yourself to be around people who are going to better you and exclude people who – that's another thing too. If someone's going, if someone is in your life that is toxic or pushing you, you know, towards a not a good direction, step back from that person, you know. And I think that's one thing too is just surrounding yourself with good people who can support you. Um, that helped me a lot. Is talking when I didn't want to talk about it and um, realizing it's okay to have the burnout too. Um, I had it probably from. I went home, like I said, in January, and I started feeling the burnout around, like, December-ish. Because um, holidays are crazy. And, again, we're working crazy hours. Um, and, yeah, around December, I started to feel the burnout. And then I went home for a week. I was like, oh, this will cure my burnout. And it probably just made it worse because I came back. And, you know, and it's weird. Like, I, I again, have been, quote-unquote, a journalist or working to be a journalist since I was in high school. But taking a break off of work for a week, sometimes it's like, oh, I got it. You know, you're not in your groove as much as you are when you've been having stories lined up and lined up and lined up. And so that kind of also threw me off. And then, um, I don't know, I just, this, like I said, the perfectionism, and I just felt like I wasn't doing a good enough job. And that's a big thing for me, too, that besides that, you know, I went to therapy, too, for anxiety. And about my whole thing was I'm not good enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not whatever enough. And oh. that was a, that was that was my whole thing in therapy oh and god. god bless my um former therapist um who was just like you you don't have to be he's like you are enough as you are. And I think real realizing that that again this perfectionism this was what was really hard as I was going through the perfectional like I have to make this perfect but I'm so unmotivated, I'm so sad, I'm so whatever and not being able to fulfill that was just a crazy cycle of you know this and then um Talking to people, telling like having those conversations with people and being like, "Hey, I'm not okay." Like I had a good conversation with my parents. My mom is like my rock. Like, you know, she is so great, and I know I can go to my mom with anything. And uh, talking to my mom, just being vulnerable and being like, "Hey, I feel like I need this," and um, I've really pulled myself out of it. I was considering going back to therapy just to talk about it and burnout and stuff. Um, might still, you know, just because it's nice, you know, to talk about it. But she's like, yeah, if you need to go back to therapy, you know, let's, you know, we'll go. You know, like, you know, we can do this. You can, you know, call your old therapist, you know, we'll figure it out. And That's dope. Yeah, it's so, it's so dope. Needed. I, yeah, it's needed. And so um, having that and having supportive people in your life um, is nice. And just knowing that you're not alone. And I, there was a point where I'm like, you know what? It's okay if everything's not perfect. 
you know, I, it's okay. I'm not perfect. I'm never going to reach that perfect version of myself. And even if I were to, I still would be like, this isn't enough. And so just realizing that, that everything is okay and surrounding yourself with good people. And it's okay if life isn't perfect all the time, because that's what makes life beautiful. You know, this is so cheesy. Um, like I said, I've the past two weeks, I've really been pulling myself out of this, and I feel really good. Um, and it's made this past crazy week um, me really, really like news and being my and being in the job I am because I feel like if I wasn't, if I was still in this burnout phase, this week would have been really hard. But like I said, I worked so much overtime this week from um, the car crash on Thursday to um, driving to Sacramento on my own time, basically, and doing this right. interview and on Monday and on Friday, working 12 hours, and then going back and starting work again on, like, 9 on Saturday, and uh, I and I love it, and I'm very thankful that I'm coming out of this burnout, and just having the support system, and making me just realize that I love what I do, and again, th- and this is the cheesy part, is I was driving uh, on Saturday, and I had all my stories on, I was like, oh, I'm gonna go get Vitality Bowl, that sounds really nice, and I was driving back from a story, and I was on the highway, and when I was plugging my phone in, to car 15 has the bluetooth and so i always go for car 15 and sometimes it'll just automatically start playing my apple music and i I like spotify now i switch from apple music to spotify but apple music's my first choice and so it started playing my apple music and um what a wonderful world started playing and i am (laughs) such a especially the past year when i've been very happy compared to where i was for a long period of my life uh, like, if you talk to people now, I feel like people would say, like, oh, she's very nice. She's very happy. She's very um, – someone described me the other day of the other day as embodying yellow. If you would have told me that in high school, I hated the color yellow in high school. <laughs> uh, like, it was yeah, yellow like, was one of those. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, ugh. And I would have been like, ugh. But I just, like, I I like to spread that positivity. And so I was listening to the song, and I'm just very much a, like, life is beautiful person. Like, even the shitty parts of life, that's what makes it beautiful because you can pull yourself out of it, and you have – great people around right. you to surround yourself. So I'm like driving and I hear the song come on. I'm just like listening to it. I just start crying and like, I'm just so thankful to be alive and just so thankful to be where I am to so thankful to have the people I have in my life. And I know that sounds so cheesy, but it's just, it's, it, life is beautiful, man. And they're going to yeah. wonder like after seeing your city of <laughs> cannabis package yeah. and then yeah, saying that like, huh? Yeah, yeah. no, that's a real thing though. Yeah. That's, you know, for, um, I forget the quote, but it's like at the end of every storm, there is sun. Yeah. You know, like the sun yeah. does come back, yeah. you know, and it's a real thing. Yeah. There's a Casey Musgrave song. Uh, oh, it's, it's called Rainbow. And it's ba- it's basically like that. It's like, you know, like put your umbrella, put your umbrella ray away. The rain stopped. There, you know, it's like there's a rainbow on every, uh, around the corner, you know, and. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. And. Yeah, life is great, man, and I'm happy to be alive and happy to be here today. So I am too. Yeah, I'm too. It's been a good year. I, I had my reservations for it's. It's that yeah. weird anxiety. When yeah. Every time, yes. every time a new year turns, anyway, mm-hmm. I just have like a weird like. I don't know. It's like this magic thing where it's like, oh, the, that that was the cutoff. Like mm-hmm. that was your year, and yeah. it's like it's not. You know, everyone has the choice to make every yeah. year their year. You Absolutely. Know? And yeah, if you're competitive, you think every mm-hmm. year is your year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, this know. is this is the year. I'm. I have this weird, <laughs> and I'm really hoping with the city of cannabis thing. I have this goal of before 25, I want to be an Emmy nominated journalist, mm. and so I would. Lo- in, in the back of my head, I'm like, I want to have an Emmy by, like, 25. But make it realistic. I'm like, I want to be an Emmy-nominated journalist by 25. And I'm really hoping this story or stuff I do this summer with, like, fire season coverage could, like, get me there, you know. And so I get the competitiveness. And I'm, like, looking forward to, like, producing good shit, producing good content, producing stuff to make an impact in the community. And, again, fill that 
need and that itch to help people. And so I get the competitiveness of wanting to have that drive and have that uh, even to anxiety around it too in a weird way that pushes you. In a healthy way, in a healthy way. There's a healthy yeah. balance of it. But yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, there was a bar, and I mean, George lo- knows this. And I, <laughs> <laughs> George, he makes the funniest faces. George knows this. The listeners know this. I fucking, I, I adore Drake. I think yeah. Drake's one of the greatest, like, most best penmanship. Like, and I mean, I, I love other people, too, like, music-wise. But his music just speaks to me a little different. I think a lot of people feel that way because yeah. he's super famous. Um, but he had a bar on uh, Certified Lover Boy, I think on The Remorse, where he's saying, um, Anxiety is a drug I use to get the job done. Yeah. Um, and, oh, my gosh. And he yeah. said something else after that that was really good. But, yeah, like, that's a real, like, you yeah. bring that up. And that's kind of how I think of it. Like, you know, he puts it into layman's terms for mm-hmm. me. Like, anxiety is a drug that, you know, gets me up at 3 a.m. Yeah. Because I'm anxious I'm either going to lose my job. Yes. Someone's going to take my fucking job. I always have to show up job. early. I always show up early. Yeah. Someone's going to do a better job than mm-hmm. me. Like, and that's just, and that's yeah. just how it is. And it sounds terrible, but. Yeah. You wouldn't understand unless you've, like, you know, like Michael Jordan said and, and mm-hmm. his dog, like, unless you've won some shit, you wouldn't get it. Yeah. You know? like, mm-hmm. And I, I like the way he put it. He's like, well, that's because you never won anything, you know? And he just, <laughs> yeah. but it's true. Yeah. Like, yeah. And for everyone that's won, you know, awards or mm-hmm. that is successful or that has made a bunch of money or that mm-hmm. is respected, like, there is a crazy amount of dedication yeah. and anxiety that comes with it. So mm-hmm. this is all stuff that I can relate to with you. That's why I want to get into this business because, yeah. you know, I, I feel like I maybe have what it takes, but you know, Absolutely. you never know until yeah. you get there. Absolutely. So might know? as well try, you know, right. and that's the thing is every failure though is a step in the right direction. In my opinion, I think yeah. every time you fall down and you fail and as much as, as the perfectionist, I'm like, I should have gotten this on the first try. But if you would have gotten on the first try, like I've had points in my life where I look back very vividly and I'm like, man, I wanted to do this X, Y, and Z. I wanted to do this and I didn't get this opportunity. But because I didn't get this opportunity, I got a much better opportunity. I got time to work on myself to get me a higher internship, a higher job, something that was so much better for my career. Um, there, For example, in college, uh, I wanted to go on a study abroad trip in London to do like a documentary thing. And I was doing it with one of my friends and he had no um, video experience whatsoever. And I've been doing video since high school. And he got to go because he knew the teacher and I didn't get to go. And I was so upset. I was so upset. It wasn't his fault at all, but I was just so upset and this is around a very like depressive downtime for me in college I got a internship at the uh, NBC station in Austin not just a like a uh, reporter uh, like intern but like with their investigative team and I wouldn't have been able to do that if I got the London job this investigative job ended up me working for them as a political intern in the fall and I also worked on the assignment desk for them too for like five months and this all made my resume look great, which helped me get the job in New York, which helped me get the job here. And it all works out, you know. And it's like hard, it's hard at the time to think like, man, I should have gotten this at the first time. Why am I failing at this? Why am I failing at this? But it just makes you better for other opportunities that are come down that are going to come down the line. And again, like I said, I think at the beginning, like everything works out for a reason, and everything has say, purpose. Like, and yeah, yeah, that's a big thing. That's yeah. a big theme. Like I feel the same way. I think every time you don't get something or you do get something or you know yeah. it's whatever it, it was supposed to happen supposed to happen way. how it happens yeah, yeah. And same thing with people too you know people come and go in your life and teach you lessons and sometimes they can be very hard lessons to swallow but thankful for the people that came in my life and are still here or people that are out of my life but I appreciate the time they spent so yeah, yeah. For sure. And I mean, for me and you being early 20s, like, yeah. there's a lot more of that to come. Oh, like, yeah. That's the thing. Like, yeah. be, being only 23, I'm like, oh, yeah. I got past it all. Yeah. I know it all. Oh, yeah. I could, you know, I'm a fl- I have everything. It's like, yeah. 
man. Yeah. Like there's still yeah, there's a still whole so life much. ahead. Like so there's a, a whole, whole life. Yeah. You know what's funny? I and this is another reason too. I wanted to get out of Texas is when I was in college and even high school, I had my whole life planned out. Like everything. Like I was like I was in a long term relationship. I was like, all right. I'm going to do here. I'm going to, this is also what made me freak out. I was like, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go back to Lubbock. And no offense to Lubbock. I love Lubbock. It's home. <laughs> but, um, and I have friends who work there now. But it'd be, yeah. I like, you know, but I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to work there. And so, because again, I can always come back. And so I was like, oh, I'll go to Lubbock, work there. Um, I have connections in Austin. I can always go back to Austin. I'll work in Lubbock for two years, go to Austin for like five or so, and then go to Dallas and then settle down, have kids, get married at 27, have kids at 30, yada, 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 and have it all planned out. And that scared the living hell out of me. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to have my whole life planned out. And I had that forever. And so, and again, and so I, Broke up with my boyfriend, and I, and then COVID happened, and I just turned a new leaf over, and it was a very scary time for me, but I was pulling myself out of a very deep depression and was trying to embrace Mason, trying to figure out who she was. Took me a good, probably over a year to really figure out who I was, and a lot of that happened in New York, and a lot of that happened here, too, like when I first moved, and through all the struggles and all the much of like, oh, I'm losing this grasp on, I had my whole life figured out. I don't know what to do. What's the anxiety around this? This was like my perfect plan to do this and this and this. It w- it's been the best choice to just go with the flow. And right. again, go with the flow led me here, which has been amazing. And I've made friends who are going to be at my wedding someday, you know, and that's awesome too. And going with the flow helped me get to New York when I was supposed to. And again, also meet friends who are, will be in my life forever. And I'm just, you know, very thankful for that. And it's just, it's been, it's been a wild ride. And we still have, like you said, so much more to come. I feel like I, at 22, I, I'm like, I have to have everything figured out at 22. But then sometimes I'm like, no, you don't. That's the beautiful thing about life too, is you don't have to have it all figured out at 22, at 32, even at 50, you know? Right. That's like the Gary yeah. V shit. He's, yeah. like, you st- he's like, you still have time. Yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah. even though you're 50, like you still, still have, have 15, 20 years. Yeah. Like, That's a long time. Yeah. That's absolutely. a long time. Yeah. I want to ask you this. Mm-hmm. You intern in New York. Mm-hmm. Quick little story for the listeners. I remember my dad and I, this is summer 16, greatest summer ever. Like, greatest summer ever. I oh, love yeah. 2016. Oh, yeah. I went to, um, he lives in San Diego, but we traveled to Beverly Hills to work on, he was a window cleaner. So he got this job. It was like five grand for two days. We'd go up there for a couple of days in Beverly Hills. And this is, she didn't live there at the time, but uh, Britney Spears' old mansion. Legit as fuck. I mean, I'm like, okay, yeah. you could tell, like, a A-list <laughs> celebrity lived in this house. Yeah. Once you're exposed to something like that, I've always told my dad this, and he doesn't have the same mentality I do. He, he just thinks of it as, as a job. Me, I think yeah. of it as a, a lifestyle. Like, I yeah. want to one day have something like that. So you get exposed to New York. Mm-hmm. Here's how I want to bring all this back around. Yeah. Is there any part of you that feels like, because you, that's the number one market mm-hmm. for news. Mm-hmm. People think it's LA or maybe Chicago. Yeah. It's New York. New York, If you down. make it in New York, you make it anywhere, yeah. right? That's the, mm-hmm. And it's a real thing. It doesn't matter yeah. what it is. News, sports, yeah. a fucking bakery. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Italian food. Like, if yeah. you make it there, you're good. Yeah. Is there any part of you that, like, ever thought, I ended up in Redding, California, and I was in New <laughs> York at a certain point? Because there's a part oh, of me yeah. that's like, I lived in my mom's house in, like, Cottonwood, California, yeah. but I've been to, like... I think I saw like two chains walking around yeah. like with his dog. I think I saw these people. Yeah. I had to get him three gates to get to Britney Spears. Like once you're exposed to that, you yeah. cannot get unexposed. To oh, it. hands down. Is and there any part of you that feels like, or at one point felt like, oh, I failed a little, or was it just all learning to you? So I wouldn't say it was a I failed, but it was the first 
two months I was here. Like I said, it took me probably about three months to get really settled. Um, it was the first two months I was here. And I, you know, when you're a new reporter at KRCR, you get, I feel like a lot more um, visibility because you're the, you're the new reporter. And so I felt like I was getting more hate. It was in the middle of fire season. I was far away from my home. I was also dealing with uh, like some friendship stuff, some like relationship stuff. And it was just so much going on in my life. And I remember just, and I, I, I love New York. It's just such a beautiful place. <laughs> I like, I'll cry sometimes thinking about it. And um, some of my best friends are still back in there. We'll talk about it. And like, I want to go back soon, but it's just finding the money and time to go back just to visit. And, but, and there was a point too, where I'm like, you know what? Um, after my contract, I'll just move back to New York and do a marketing or social media job. Like one of my friends, she works at the Tonight Show. And I'm like, oh, I can find contact. Wow. Yeah, amazing driven people up there. Amazing things. Right. And like, once you get exposed to that. And I was living... Like, we were living the, you know, New York life, walking to class, going on the, like, if you've been to New York, like, the High Line every day, walking. We lived on 10th Avenue. We walked mm. every day. I saw the Empire State Building every day walking out, and it was amazing. And there was a point where I was just like, I miss it so much. I need to go back. This is, you know, this isn't worth it. But there came a point in, I want to say fire season, and this is also what drives me to be the fire reporter, too, where I spent a week in um, Big Flat. And Big Flat, there were a couple businesses that burned down during the Monument Fire. And on Monday, I did an interview with this business, and then on Friday, it was gone. And throughout the week, mm. when I was driving back and forth on the fire, um, I was staying in this community, kept talking to the people, and they'd come in, let me edit at their um, at their uh, business, and would and I talked to them. And then on Friday, I remember we got some Facebook messages Friday morning that it burned down. So I went into work early, went up there, and I was just so anxious all the way up there. And, like, the whole town didn't burn down, but the businesses that I – one of the businesses I talked to did. And it was just so – I was so just heartbroken. And uh, I did that, and then I just keeping my head down, working on the fires, working on the fires, and getting to know this community. And I really have – again, the loud, mean people, as much as that hurts, this is a wonderful community. I am so blessed to be able to work here, and I'm so blessed to be able to work in news. Again, it's crazy and chaotic, and as much as it can make me go home, some days I just go home after such a long day or, like, mostly, like, during fire season or when there's breaking news, I'll just go down and lay on my floor, and my cat will come up, and I'll just pet him for, like, two minutes, and I'm like, all right, get back, pull yourself up again. And decompress. Decompress, yeah, yeah, literally decompress. And it's just, there's, this is where I'm meant to be at the time. And as much as I love and miss New York, I wouldn't trade being anywhere else at the time. And but I totally get what you're saying. You know, it's like, man, I should I should be in New York. It's it's that pushing myself too. It's like, why am I not working in Market One right now? You know. Right. But it's like I it's like you know how hard it is to get into Market One. one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's insane. It's and, insane. And it's like you gotta I, be insane. Yeah, and it's like and it's I interned for Market One. It's like I got a taste of that, and so that's going to keep pushing me to get there. One day I'm gonna I'm gonna get there, you know I'm gonna get there one day. But right. also at the time, at, it's also I'm meant to be in the North State right now. The people I meet here, are, I'm meant to learn these lessons. Again, I'm sometimes I forget I'm 22. I feel like I should have my whole life together. No, I don't have to. And so because of that, it's this is where I'm meant to be, and this is where I'm meant to be at the time. And as much as I miss New York, and I'll look back at my pictures and I'll FaceTime my friends from New York. Sometimes it's. I'm very, very thankful to serve this community. It's how I see my job, you know, and I know it's, I know some people at the station don't see it that way, and some people can be kind of snarky about it, but I see this as... They're not you. 
Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I, you know, th- I want to help. And again, that's the whole reason I got into journalism is I want to make a difference. I want to help people and I want to serve this community because there are some really, really amazing people here. There's amazing people everywhere. But right now, the North State's my home. And right. yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I know for me, because we do, um, especially on Daybreak, a lot of live shots. We yeah. like looking elsewhere in the country and yeah. stuff. And one of the big things is always New York. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I, I, I have no idea what it is. I think it might be just like an American pride thing. Whenever yeah. I see the Freedom Tower, yes, everyone that doesn't know, it's the New World Trade mm-hmm. Center, where the yeah. two towers were. They built mm-hmm. one tower. It was yeah. the highest skyscraper, mm-hmm. tallest skyscraper in the world for a couple of years. Um, but whenever I see the Freedom Tower, it just represents like opportunity and hope. Yeah. It's a weird thing. That's I, how New York does. Th- that's all skyscrapers give me that vibe. And New York's the number one, like, you know, I'm not a rap person. Like, <laughs> I don't know how bad it is there. Yeah. If it's as bad as they say, like, I, like, that, like, oh, terrifies it's that, me. Yeah, it's that it's drive. It's that bad. It's that drive. It's just that, you know, it's not, it's it's weird. You know, you walk down New York and, oh, I've never gotten more catcalled in my life than when I was in New York. And it is, can be kind of grimy sometimes. But every, <laughs> it can be, I saw grimy. a naked, I, grimy, I saw a naked person in the subways and I will forever oh, be scarred sure. from that. And yeah. I got, like I said, never been more catcalled in my life and. It was just can be so grimy and so gross, but everyone there is so driven. And for someone who has our type of personality, you fit in so well. You're just like, yeah, and you're just keep your head down. The and thing everyone, is, I, I know it too. Yeah, but like yeah. I'm here doing this. Yeah, but here's the thing. And you I have, feel like I should be here doing this. Yes, you know? and that's the thing, especially when you have that feeling of this is where I'm supposed to be. You know, again, we're young. We'll get there eventually. But what if we were to go, this is how I see it. If I were to go back to New York now and work, I you know, I'd have to work my way up. Um, it, um like I said, I was freelancing for CBS for the research research department. They were looking for someone to work for them all summer. And then they were, I think they were going to look to hire someone. And I feel like if I would have stayed with the research department at CBS, I would be probably, I probably could have applied and got that permanent position at CBS News working for Nora O'Donnell, like close to 60 minutes. CBS, that's where I want to be. But I wouldn't be doing what I, I wouldn't be a reporter. I wouldn't, you know, be doing what I want to do. I'd be working research, which is dope. That's amazing. But that's not what Mason Carroll wants to do. Right. And so even though I'm not in market one, I'm doing what I want to do. And I got to work my way up. I got to serve my time. And I got to learn the skills here to help me when I, not if, when I get there, it's going to make me a better journalist and a better reporter and a better person that I've served my time here. Yeah. Yeah. I think of it the same way. Like, I don't know how your family is, but I know my family, they look at me like I have two heads when I talk about moving to like New York and doing all this shit. Cause they're just not like that. They're, they're very like, uh, you know, blue collar lifestyle, but they have like white collar jobs. You know, that they just, they do their nine to five, eight to five. My mom's had a stable job cause you know, she had to raise us kids. Like I, and I totally respect that. Some yeah. people simply need stability. Yeah. Some people simply like me need something new every day. Yeah. I'm like a dog. Like you gotta show me something new yes. every day to yeah. keep me entertained. Oh yeah. Some people can do the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. You know, some people hate it, but some people don't mind it. But I know that, you know, one of my favorite things at KRCR is meeting people like you, meeting people that I can just, I feel like I just fit in. You know yes, what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I'm very selective about who I let in my friend group. Like, mm-hmm. you got to share the same kind of vision mm-hmm. with me. You got to, like, and that's that just that how I am. That, yeah. yeah. Like, if I see you're just not doing shit, you don't yeah. care about being shit, I don't want to do shit with yeah, you. Yeah, because you're not going to push me to be a better person. And if that makes me a jerk, then oh, so be it. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of my attitude with it. You know, it's like I do want to... I know you ever heard. Do you know who Andrew Dimbert is? That name sounds familiar. He is one of the anchors on World News Now. Okay, it was yes. like, like four a.m. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we watch it every day at daybreak. I DM him 
He hits me back <gasps> this last week. Yeah. And like, oh, you should have heard the phone, the FaceTime with George. Yeah. Oh, the amount of shit I was talking, Mason. It was yeah. like, I would have been like, that's gross. Yeah. But like, it was fucking cool. Yeah. Like, this guy, like, I've done my research. I asked him for a podcast. He left me on red. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it just says what it is. But he, born in Florida, started off doing sports reporting, but he yeah. was like a PA. Yeah. At like some random, not even like Tampa or mm-hmm. Orlando, just like, I think it was like a... Uh, Sarasota or something like that, which yeah. I think is actually the capital, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, and then now he's in New York. Yeah. You know, as an anchor mm-hmm. on World News Now. You know what I mean? Like, he's not far down from, like, George Stephanopoulos, yeah. Michael Strahan, Robin yeah. Roberts, uh, David Muir. You know, and those yeah. are people that we all, I mean, yeah. George and I know, like, Michael Strahan, football yeah. player, gap tooth. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so those are just recognizable faces. And, and my point in all this is that, you know, you got to be a little nuts to do it. And you got to believe in yourself, like, oh, yeah. super hard, like, super, like, it's like insane, mm-hmm. you know. Oh yeah, and, and on that's that, how it is. And on that note of like, and again, I'm like, I think it's very important to surround yourself, like you said, with good people. But at the end of the day, sometimes all you've got is yourself. You know, right. at the end of the day, when no one you know believes in you or no one, and, and again, I feel like you know we'll always have those people and those support systems who will, no matter what, will be like, "This is a crazy idea," but yeah, I'll support you. But also too, at the end of the day, sometimes you just have yourself, and you have to believe in yourself enough to keep going the next day to work your way up and to push yourself for that goal. Because, you know, I came from Lubbock, you came from Reading, you know, small towns, but that doesn't mean just because we came from small towns doesn't mean we can't make it to market one, you know? Right. Can't make it big, can't be that that. recognizable name, you know? And I think there's so many stories like that, you know, just because of where you come from, because of who your family is or because of, you know, what you look like, None, you know, none of that matters in a sense, or or it shouldn't. It does, which is sad, but it, that shouldn't stop you from pursuing what you want to do and reaching for that dream. And you have to keep listening to yourself and pushing yourself to get there one day. Yeah, yeah. And like I bring up the story about Andrew because it's like, you know, kind of like how I treated when I reached out to you. I reach out to anybody. Like yeah. I always tell people, like nine out of ten times, you will get left on red or told no. Some people, it's just not their thing. Yeah. There are, some people are just uncomfortable with it. They feel like they're getting grilled. And then some people, they're just too fucking busy. Yeah. And they just don't They just don't have the time for you. They just, they're not like, I, I did that already. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you get that in the reporting business, you know. So it's like, I, I feel like I'm kind of used to that. But, you know, my thing is I just kind of wanted to reach out and just like show love. Yeah. You know, and just be like, yo, man, like I, I've read up on your shit. I think you're good at what you do. I, we watch you every morning. Just want to show some love, man. That's it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, you know, and like, of course I'd love to have a mom, but like, it's like, I'm not looking for a favor. Yeah. Cause one thing about this, you know, this is advice I give all podcasters and then we'll get back to you. It's like, <laughs> you know, you gotta be able to take the blows, you know, yeah. and, and, and the nose and the left on reds, mm-hmm. but also like just <sighs> do a good job as well. Like, don't kid yourself. Yeah. You know, if you're not that great of a talker or you are boring or no one's going to listen past three minutes, five minutes, like then don't waste your time doing it. And that sounds bad coming from me, but I'm pretty confident in the guests I've been able to get and things I've been able to do. And and so, yeah, I don't know. I I just, you know, pick something you're good at and just do that. And I I guess, you know, for you reporting for me, podcasting, hopefully reporting, you know, but yeah, just believe in yourself and and you'll get there and, you know, just be able to take punches as well because a lot of them are coming. Oh yeah. Absolutely. A lot of them are coming. Well, and even, too, it's, like, find something you're good at. And even if it's not, like, you know, like you said, eventually you're reporting. And, but if you're, 
it, you know, it seems like you're just good at connecting with people and you can turn that into anything, podcasting, reporting, doing, you know, video, doing radio, you know, it's like pick something that, it, that you're good at that can also be used in multiple skills, you know, like, yes, reporting, I love reporting, but then also too, it's that connection too. I think what makes me a good reporter is the drive, you know, like we've talked about too, but then also to something, the drive that we both have, but then also being able to talk to people and get people to talk. Cause you have to do that as a podcaster or as a reporter, you have to make people feel comfortable enough with you to share the story and then be good enough at it that you are respectable and they trust you to do it. Right. Yeah. Cause they I trust mean, you enough to come on their podcast and be an open book. Yeah. yeah. And I wouldn't <laughs> want to come here and like waste like your time or anyone else's. Cause if I come here and I'm like, so, uh, Mason, um, <laughs> you work at the news, right? Like, yeah, no shit, dude. You saw her. That's why you fucking reached out. But yeah. like, you know, it's just, you gotta be ready. And that's yeah. why I always have questions. I always have stuff, Yeah. but you know, my biggest advice is just, you know, have thick skin. I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Have thick skin mm-hmm. and like, you know, you never know where it's going to take you. I, yeah. I do not think that, you know, a guy that I'm a fan of and Andrew Dimber was going to yeah. like hit me back. Like, he, yeah. he works at the number one fucking morning show. Yeah. Like, you know, not like GMA, but like super yeah, but early still, morning, yeah. like, you know, but nonetheless, I mean, the number one market, you know, oh, yeah. and, and I've read up on his story and just, you know, uh, what's the thing at KRCR? Getting the facts right? Get your facts right. <laughs> yeah. Get the absolutely. facts right. Yeah. You know, that's a big thing. Absolutely. I want to ask you about this yeah. as we kind of wind down here a little bit. What's some advice you would give to someone who wants to be a reporter? I'm very open about the fact that I want to be one. Yeah. I'm still kind of just trying to figure out a certain direction, certain way I'd go about my reel, certain yeah. things like that. But just anyone in general, who and what would you say, I, I guess what would you say to mm-hmm. someone who wants to do it? And what's something that before you get in the door, before you go for that interview, that yeah. you should just know going into it? Yeah. Um, I think my biggest advice, I'm thinking back on college, you know, because it's all kind of a, this leads to this, leads to this, leads to this. Um, and I think it's getting a kind of your hand in, don't put your eggs in just one basket, you know. In college, I did uh, student television, but then I also wrote for the paper, and I also mentored journalism students, and I had, you know, all these lists of things that helped sharpen me. You know, maybe my leadership skills weren't so sharp at a certain point. Okay, so I'm going to do, I'm going to be a mentor for these students to sharpen that. Teach me some lessons here. Okay, you know, I know I want to do video, but I want to write for the Daily Texan because it's going to make my writing stronger, and I know I'm going to have to write webs, you know, or, oh, I'm going to do this, you know, video program. Maybe it's more on the production side, but it's going to teach me how to do this better. And so I think that's a big thing and is, you know, do a podcast and looking to be a reporter, you know, or do, you know, have a little bit, have a slice of everything because especially to be a reporter, you have to know how to, it's not just standing in front of the camera. Um, It's not just, you know, talking and uh, reading off a screen. It's, going out and talking to people. It's knowing how to edit. It's knowing how to write. It's knowing how to put a story together, you know, that people aren't going to get bored of 30 seconds in. It's, you know, making those connections and having the confidence and the respect and, you know, to tell someone's story well. And so I think my biggest advice is, you know, I'm not sponsored by Nike, but just do it, you know, just like, just, (laughs) just, 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 you see the opportunity, you know, maybe if it's not fully, for you, maybe you're, you know, not too in, like, too in, like, for me, uh, like, in college, I wasn't super interested in uh, podcasting, but I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. I know this would help me, at least audio side of stuff. I'm going to take a podcasting class, or, oh, you know, I'm not super into, when I was just starting to get into the environment stuff, I'm like, oh, 
I'm not super into the environment right now, but there's this environmental reporting class. I think that'd be something cool that would help me as a reporter as I go into my bigger market. Let me take this. And, like, even, too, if it's something that you're not, you know, like, oh, I don't know if this is going to benefit me, but I have the free time or I have this time, do it if it's going to better yourself. Even if it's not your core, core skill, but if it's going to help you be well-rounded. Because, again, we're we're not just reporters. I My name title isn't Mason Carroll the reporter. It's Mason Carroll the multimedia journalist. And that's how the industry is going, which is, in a sense, kind of – I have mixed emotions about it because I think it is beneficial that I can – do everything that I do. I can go out if I need to, or I do now, but say in a bigger market, if I need to go out and shoot all my own stuff, edit it all and write it all and do all that, I think that's beneficial. I think that makes me a stronger reporter because I know how to do that stuff. And I think that is my biggest advice is make sure you're well-rounded. You know, don't just focus on one skill. Don't just focus on, you know, uh, like for me, I try to make sure as much as I'd like to be the fire person or the environmental person, I like to cover a wide variety of things or report on different things, whether that be city council or state laws or education or different things like that. I think that makes me a better reporter to report on multiple things, at least while I'm not specifically a beat reporter. And so I think that's my biggest advice is make yourself well-rounded. And I think that's really from all the interviews I've done, whether it's internships or jobs is being well-rounded, um, being able to be, I think this is, I did an interview with Dylan um, for like a backup interview. Like I talked to Carrie twice and I did an interview with Dylan and I was like, yeah, I did this and this and this and this and this. And he was like, oh, wow. You know, to like all the different stuff I <laughs> like I've done. And then now knowing Dylan, uh, like as a person, I'm like, <gasps> Dylan, that was cool that I did all this stuff, you know, in my first interview. And I think that makes you really desirable is being well-rounded because just having one niche isn't going to cut it this day in anything Mm -mm. you know you have to be well-rounded you have to have multiple skills and obviously at the core of it like I know I want to eventually be a long-form investigative environmental reporter something like that you know I want to do that but also knowing how to shoot my own stuff and how to tell stories and how to write well and how to cover a wide variety of topics is going to help me in the future so that's probably my biggest advice on that sense of stuff and then going into the interview Know the market you're applying for. I think that's the thing. Like, know the area, know the jobs. and But my biggest thing is something that I felt like I had an issue with when I first started applying is be confident, even if it's – so my, my therapist, uh, anxiety therapist that I saw uh, two years ago, he had this saying, and I tell this to all my friends, and it's just do it in fear. Just do it with the fear. Because you're going to have this fear regardless, and you're going to have the fear while you're doing it, but don't let that stop you can't take away the fear do it with the fear and then you get oh and you get done with the event and you're like oh that wasn't so bad I'm so glad I didn't let this anxiety or fear stop me from pursuing something that's going to be better for me so that's one of my biggest mottos do it in fear you're gonna have this fear you're gonna have this anxiety don't let that stop you and be confident in yourself even if me like growing up my mom always said you know fake it till you make it you know fake this confidence you know even if you don't have it but hold yourself high because you deserve to be confident you deserve to hold yourself to this high standard and you deserve to be proud of yourself. Even if you're not at that moment, do it, fake it till you make it and have yeah. that attitude going in to this interview. Cause no, no boss, no, even me, I wouldn't want to hire someone who's like, hi, you know, I'm kind of down, you know, yeah. you know, shoulders, beat, sl- shoulders yeah, slumped. Oh, right. I'm nervous. You know, even if you are super nervous, fuck it, go in there and just be like, hi, my name is Mason Carroll. I'm a reporter at this be, I'm very respectful, um, especially in interviews and when, around bosses and authority figures, but I still like to have a level of confidence. Like, I've done this. This is what I'm proud of. This is what motivates and drives me, 
And then I'll get done with the interview and be like, oh my God, that was so scary. But having this level of confidence and pride in yourself, that's going to come off and that's going to make you more desirable. And in general, when you think about real life, when you meet someone who's more confident and not in an arrogant way, but someone who's more confident and proud of yourself, you're like, that person has their shit together. They know what they want. They could have a completely, like me, have a completely messy apartment and totally off the walls sometimes and totally anxious and scattered. But if I give myself, you know, make myself stand tall, make myself feel confident in myself, eventually it's worked for me where I've faked it to a point where I'm like, you know what? I should be confident in myself. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud to be Mason Carroll. I'm proud to be the friend I am, the family member I am, the reporter I am. And, you know, I think, again, even sometimes if you're not fully 100% into yourself, that's okay. But you, you can do it, and holding yourself and pretending to be that confident self, you know, helps you in the long run. It helps in that interview. So, yeah, that's probably my biggest piece of advice. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be sure to play that back uh, on the podcast when yeah. I'm, like, uh, trying to become a reporter <laughs> and I'm trying to, like, figure shit out because yeah. it's, it's a real thing, you know? Yeah. Like, for someone like me, like, I, you know, one of the biggest things getting in the building yeah. was that I learned early on was that it's okay to let people know what you want to do. Oh, that's yeah. something that like even Nazi told me on the podcast. Yeah. Like let people know what you want to do. Cause otherwise we're just going to think you're cool with being like a PA yes, or being yeah. the producer or being an editor. Yeah. And it's like, I- I'm not though. Like yeah. I did it for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember my first day, uh, Jordan, our HR guy, mm-hmm. you know, he, he does the whole shebang yeah. where, and I'm, I could tell he loves us so much, yeah. but you got to <laughs> do the thing where you introduce the employee, give yeah. them the rules, mm-hmm. give them the fucking backside of stuff. And then we go to Carrie because I mentioned that I'm like, I'm actually here to be a reporter. Yeah. And I just want to get my foot in the door. He's like, oh, well, let's go you know, talk to her. And yeah. she's our news director. And, and from there, I just, you know, just hit the ground running. You know, yeah. that's what you have to do. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's times where like, you know, you say like fake it till you make it. It's it's letting the fear push you from behind because yeah. there is every time and every time I ask, whether it's Sam, Nazi, you, Dylan Brown, on war, whether it's shadowing, asking for a podcast, yeah. like I'm scared shitless to go ask. So the first thing I do is I go ask. Yeah. Cause it's like, otherwise I'm just going to sit there and just think of all these scenarios. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, how I think of it is the worst thing they could do is say no yeah. or leave you on red. Yeah. That's the worst thing they can do. And if that happens, I'm, you know, I'm still going to go to bed. I'm still going to be fine. I'm yeah. still, my dogs will still the love me. The world still spins. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. The sun will still rise mm-hmm. in the morning. Like you're going to be fine. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's part of the game. Yeah. It is what it is. Let's finish up with this, Mason. Yeah. What comes next for you in 2022? Are there any immediate plans? Are there any sort of things that you said, you know, with the city of cannabis thing that we led with, you want to do more environmental stuff. Yeah. You're very passionate about that. Is there anything in particular that you want to do this year? Are there things you have planned that you want to hammer down this year? Mm-hmm. Or are you just kind of taking it one day, one week at a time? A little bit of a mix. Like I said, I really want to work on this longer project. It, I was planning to write more of my script for the second piece this week, and then we had a crazy news week. Um, so I want to do, like I mentioned earlier, the part two and part three. Um, I really also just want to like get my head right for fire season. I am honestly very nervous. It's been very dry. It's been very hot. Um, and I just want to do the best. That's kind of the thing is like, I want to be the best reporter I can this summer because I'm very nervous about how this fire season is going to come out. Not, not for me, but for our North state community. Right. And so I just want to, again, like I said, since go with the flow again, do more environmental stuff. I'd love to do a long piece on the drought. Um, and that's impact on farmers and people down like in, um, Cottonwood and more so in the Valley about how that's impacting people down there. Um, environmental piece about that. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, a little go with the flow because especially with news stuff happens here and there. Um, crazy breaking news again, would like to do some more long pieces, uh, but you know, we'll see what happens. But again, just kind of helping 
the community and doing the best I can and serving the community the best I can, especially when it comes to fire season. So I think that's the one thing that I'm really like keeping an eye out for is how is this fire season going to go? Because that's how I started is I literally started in the middle of fire season. And now and I felt this way on Friday with the uh, Flanagan fire. And it is, you know, it's small. It's uh I think it turned out to be 88 acres, and when I first it's started, gone, it's, it's already, already gone. Yeah. When I, when I, it was here's a beautiful the, yeah, day. Beautiful luckily. day, yeah. yeah. My, my, first, um, my first fire, I went out with Alexandria and to a 100-acre fire, and coming from Texas, like, that's a decent amount of land. I, I, was, fr- I was literally, <laughs> right. there's a point where I stopped and I couldn't move because I wasn't used to it, and now, and then I have this really cool video of me standing, quote-unquote cool video, of me standing in front of the Dixie fire, just huge plumes of black smoke, and I feel... More, on Friday, I felt more confident covering this fire, even though it was a small fire. But I'm like, all right, I know how to do this. It's not my first rodeo. And that's how I feel about this summer. I want to just get my head right, be a good reporter, and be a good person so I can, again, hopefully it would be great if we didn't have any wildfires. That would be the, and as much as I love being the fire reporter, it would be amazing if I didn't have to be the fire reporter, you know. But odds are we're going to have another massive wildfire, and I want to be there, and I want to be ready. I want to be prepared to help our community. And that's probably what I got going on. And then after fire season, I would like to take a break and go back to New York for a week for vacation. And then, yeah, we'll see what happens. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you. Me. We just crossed two hours. So, no so, so, way. So I didn't want to say anything. That that's I got the ticker. What? So I was just yeah. I was like, let's get to two hours. Yeah. I think that'd be dope. Yeah. Uh, you fucking crushed it. Like, thank yeah, you for thanks. just like the good energy of and course. like like honesty. Like, yeah. It's it was very cool having you on. So Absolutely. I appreciate you very me. much. Yeah, it's yeah. been great. Anytime. Yeah. No problem. No problem. If you guys have made it this far, thank you for listening. I appreciate you for listening. I'll be back. I want to say Thursday or Friday. So tune in then, and I will see you guys later. Have a good day.